TV show casting. I'm in. And that was our co-host, <laughs> Kaylee Womer. That's me. The uh, <laughs> darling of casting Hollywood. Yes, and I'm her co-host, Desmond Desi is dead Robinson here on the Giant Coachman Robot. Christian is taking the day off. But that bit of information that Katie was talking about the start of it, we're going to be fan casting, like we've been mentioning for the last two weeks, Star Trek Next Generation, Voyager, and D Space Nine. So excited. <laughs> this list was, I would have to say, more harder than trying to recast X-Men. It was so hard and you know like i'm interested to see who the hardest for each series was for you to cast because for like for tng i had two that were after i had cast almost everybody throughout all three series there were like two tng spots that i just could not fill uh I, I'm, I'm really curious what your experience was once we kind of say them all or what have you yeah. um as always you can listen to what listen to us on spotify soundcloud and stitcher um, we post new episodes every Monday. Um, yeah, and if you want more of me and Christian, we have the Night Out Show on KDHR Radio. Um, go to kdhr.net, look for the Night Out Show there, or if you miss the live broadcast, just go to Spotify at KDHR. You get the rebroadcast. We're implementing, we implemented a new thing called the Headbangers University, where not just rock music anything can be a head headbanger um this past live broadcast we did um feel electric feel by mgmt oh that is a headbanger so it's a good one um so yeah when i first heard that song i thought it was electric eel And I thought it was like really concept. I'd been listening to a lot of of Montreal at the time, and so I was already in a like overly conceptual headspace. And so I was like, "Oh, this song is from the point of view of an electric eel." <laughs> it's like a new age barracuda. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, my introduction to the song, a friend was broadcasting um, live streaming Coachella, and they was I never heard of the band until then. But I'm a fan of Kid Cudi. You just see him coming up on stage. I'm pretty sure he was very high. But he was just grooving. It was Coachella. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he's sober now. He, I, I follow him on Facebook. Kid Cudi's sober. He's doing well. It's great. But at that time, in 2016, Kid Cudi was feeling it. And I was feeling into that was that's a good track. I, I was like, oh, I thought it was yeah. 2016 that you first heard MGMT. Mm-hmm. Wow, I was really into hi- dating hipsters in high school, so it was my senior year boyfriend in 2010 for me. Am I, <laughs> am I that older than you? Maybe. When did you graduate high school? Because 2010. Oh fuck, 2004. Oh, that's yeah. Okay, I thought it was gonna be like something crazier. But still, Jesus, it's all good. I'm, I'm gonna be 36 this year. And I was still so far ahead of you in music. It's crazy. That is true, because I was still <laughs> listening to Deftones and Limp Biscuit. Oh God, Limp Biscuit. Oh. Look, look. I like West Borland. I come to accept it's trash music, but I like it. I like, hey, I listened to Green, um, Good Charlotte's sophomore album 
so often in middle school that to this day, if you turn it on, I have it memorized. Don't tempt me. I will have you on the night I'll show. I love trash music. I love. It's very hard to find music I don't like, though. To be honest, like yeah. I find the be- I find the beauty in all music the way some people can with like people and stuff. No, that bitch is ugly, but that music's good. <laughs> and- all right, Star Trek. Star Trek. Okay, um- so do you want so? I figure we'll start with the next generation. Do you want to like go through your cast and talk about it and then go through mine? Or do you want to be like, okay, who's our Picards and then Picards and then go that way? I feel like that's like the two smart ways to do it, but I don't know which one's smarter. Let's go back and forth as we go through the list. Okay. I was going to say, whichever one we pick, anybody listening is like, no, you should have done the other one. So fuck it. That's what you get for giving both options. But okay. So we're going to start with the next generation. Yes. Um, the Jean-Luc Picards. I'm going to make you go first. Oh, wow. Ha-ha! I said it first. <laughs> I picked Mark Strong. That's a good one! Oh, wow! And the reason why I picked Mark Strong, I'm going according to what I remember from TNG. Majority of the senior officers were older than majority of the junior officers. So mm-hmm. I figured let's uh, cast older than younger. So. The hardest part about casting just in general was me realizing how fucking old I am. And everybody that I my first thought for a lot of these roles was a good 10, 15 years too old to be playing that character like in the first episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I um for Janeway, I was really struggling and I was like how old's Gina Davis? I'm like, oh shit, two years younger than Kate Mulgrew. Okay, next, next, next. Like, <laughs> at that point, just literally for seven of nine, I was this close to being like, look, Jerry Ryan is literally still playing her. Fuck it. Just don't even recast. Just Jerry Ryan forever. <laughs> but I didn't, I did recast, but like, I'm looking at Jerry Ryan today and I'm like, she looks, oh, she's, she's just, oh, so amazing. She, she's still she's kicking so it. so hot. Yeah, anyways, so. Okay, I like, and that's good because he's a good baldy. I feel like that's important with a Picard. That's what I was googling, like um, most famous bald actors, and like (laughs) (laughs) trying to imagine people. But Picard was one of the two hardest for me to cast. That let me just throw that out there. This was one of the two of all, all the series across all of the things I had some of like the hardest time he i actually cast him before i cast my absolute hardest but this was my second hardest one to cast uh i decided that the things that made picard important were that like velvety fancy voice that even though his name's super french is british and so i was like i want a good like you know fantasy villain but it's the good guy voice yeah um and so that's what led me down the road that led me to Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott was Moriarty in Sherlock and uh, the uh, past the preacher in Fleabag, for those that don't know. Um, and he's not bald, but he has a very high hairline, and I feel like he's got a good dome under there. I looked at the pictures. He's gotten pretty close shaven, and I think he's got a good dome. And James McAvoy wasn't a baldy. And now it's hard to imagine anybody that's not James McAvoy. That was what's so hard was not just putting James McAvoy, but it felt like cheating. Yes. Thank you. Right. I'm glad you didn't either. <laughs> but I really feel like Andrew Scott's got a good noggin under there, and he could do, he could do the Picard. 
the reason why I also picked Mark Strong is I did a little backs. He is not only of British origin, but his his name is not really Mark Strong. It's Marco Giuseppe. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, Mark. Oh, so perfect. We, so he's he, got a good nose for the role. Got a strong Picard nose. So he has some French and Italian in him. So which means if you need him to do French, he can do it. And, he, and looking at Mark Strong's catalog, he can be as menace, menacing when you need him to be. He can throw in that gravitas, and he ha, he can be headstrong when he needs to be. So I thought Mark Strong was perfect. Now Andrew Scott, I was like, he's a little bit. When you said it, I was like, he's a little bit young for me. He is a little young, but that's the thing, is that I was looking at the age that Patrick Stewart was when he started Picard, and then I was going, like, you're trying to go within, like, a few years, plus or minus from there. Um, And so I was surprised. Andrew Scott's, like, I think it was, like, 35, 36, something like that. Like, he was surprisingly old. He's got, like, a little baby face. I say old, like, (laughs) like, that's old, Jesus. Um, But, like, Hollywood style. Okay, talk. You need to not have... Okay, so Anderson is 44, even though I overshot. So Anderson is 44, which is why I was I was a little surprised because my first instinct was he's got a little baby face. But that's why I think the bald will also really be a game changer because yeah. I think it will really kind of be like, oh, well, this is an authority figure adult. So, like, I, w- I got to the point where I almost photoshopped him bald. But I think he's got a great commanding voice, and he is actually the a good age range for around like where Patrick Stewart so that's why I was doing all this math I was like well how old was the actor when they fucking Cause if I, I would do one I would look at to see how old the character was roughly supposed to be but then it's you know Star Trek so how the fuck old is Data supposed to be you know like uh, so then I was like well how old was the actor and then let's play around there and there's like stupid amounts of math but Patrick Stewart was like around 40 roughly so yeah, I was surprised by how old Andrew Scott was. I also think in the picture that I put here to, uh, in my little casting sheet is from like a good ten years ago, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> that yeah. was hard. That is definitely. Wait, how long when Sherlock came out? Right, that's that's the thing. How long ago was Sherlock? Like you, I, you think about it and you see him in your head as Sherlock, and then you remember that was what twenty, not twenty ten, but like. I want to say 2017, 2018. Was that 2017? No, not Sherlock Holmes. Don't be dumb. Sherlock TV show. Come on, Google. Just read my mind. Don't you have enough of my data? Sherlock started in 2010. I was right. Oh. July 25th, 2010. So, yeah, that's when I'm like, that picture was, you know, 11 years ago, roughly. Probably a little bit less. Oh, yeah, I didn't come in until later. But yeah, like, we're old. That's the thing that kept fucking me up is I was like, oh, yeah, they're roughly, oh, everybody is 10 years older than I thought they were in my head because I'm 10 years older than I think I am in my head. Like, <laughs> it was a mind fuck. I'm like, what's the youngest, per- the kid roles? What's the youngest person I know? Oh, my God. Yeah. So this has been an emotional journey for me i thought this would be just a fun little romp but it has been I'm yeah awesome. the struggle i can tell and we only on picard now right next up picard was a hard one though he was the starting with the lead it's always like each season you walk in and you're like fuck yeah now next up Riker. who'd you got okay so by Riker. We're going in the order that, like, I kind of make sense in terms of, like, largest roles to smallest vaguely, but it's a lot of ensemble casting. So my Riker I picked mostly because I think I found the perfect Deanna Troy. And I think that this is going to, you're going to know right away, but I think that this Riker 
is the perfect Riker to that Deanna Troy. So this one is a little bit harder because it's not necessarily that I think I found the perfect Riker, but this was one of those like, okay, well, I have this one that's perfect, and I think that would put, grow great with them. So I put Ben McKenzie. Specifically, I actually really liked watching Gotham for like the first three seasons because there's a lot of fun acting in that. Um, and I really liked him as like a little bit more gruff, you know. He was on one of those kid shows that everybody but me watched in high school, the OC. I get them mixed up. There's the OC and there's one Tree Hill and there's another one, the OC. So a lot of people I think know him as like a teenage boy. I know him mostly from Gotham. So that's my kind of background from him. And so I love Ben McKenzie because he, like Riker, kind of looks like they're on paper, they're supposed to be the like James T. Kirk fill-in, but then they're not the captain. Picard is, and Picard's totally different. So I wanted to get like kind of an an everyman, handsome white guy protagonist that looks like they could be, you know, William T. Riker. Um, and then surprise, you're the sidekick. Uh, I think Ben McKenzie's a good fit for that. He did that with, you know, Jim Gordon, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and so I think he has that strong energy. So it's my pick. He also played Batman. Yeah. He's he's played a lot more than I always think he does. Yeah. Like, I always pull up his stuff. I'm like, oh, he's in, like, kind of everything. Yeah. Um, my Riker. Because, according to Mark Strong, is obviously older than him. And I went... According to Star Trek terms, um, anyone who's between 50 and 60 are automatically either a captain or an admiral. Admiral. So, I picked someone who is five years older than me, who's a perfect age for a commander, Zachary Levi. That's interesting. I have not seen Shazam yet, but I love the look of him, and it's a movie that, like... I keep like holding it for myself. I don't know for like a really rainy day. I just cause I feel like it's gonna be really nice. Um, so I like that he's got the facial hair for it. Yeah. That's a good pick. I do like that. I like that quite a bit. I and, would not be mad at it. And now he has the build. Cause like if you picture, mm-hmm. if you try to pick Zachary Levi, Chuck error literally before he became Fandral, you'd be like, no, I can't picture him as Riker. Now that he's a little bit bigger, he has he also done some serious roles. After Chuck, before and while the time he started doing Shazam, all right, you know, like okay, Zachary Levi do actually have the range. I can't picture him as Chuck no more. I either is going to be Shazam, or the serious role he did, or if you want to go voice acting, Tangled. It's funny that you say that because when I was casting, I was focused like, and I think this is just a thing I learned about myself in general is that if I was going for a wide berth of actors, I leaned towards comedic actors mm-hmm. because. I know because I feel that it is easier for a comedian to do drama and more consistently comedians impressed with their ability to do drama than dramatic actors are funny because being funny is a very different skill set. And so I just I I trust a funny person to do serious more than I trust a serious person to do funny. And what I love about Star Trek is that the episodes run the gamut. So I wanted actors that I knew could deliver on the like serious episodes of the week, but could also do the really funny, wacky ones. And then they wouldn't be cringe as shit. So I actually like more his tangled background than I do his more serious roles. But it's it's a great cast. And he, it fits into my rubric of like generically handsome white guy that you think would be the protagonist, but then surprise isn't. Like that's that's his face. Look at him. He's Shazam. Now, Come on. 
I throw I'm gonna throw in a curveball on each of these um, recasts. You're gonna come up with a plot synopsis for TNG when we're done with TNG. I wasn't told this ahead of time, so I'll we'll just throw the, that. I like the, I like to do that to people okay. when we do when we do fan casting. Are you talking about like it would be like a new episode in TNG, or are you talking about like which episode of TNG would I want them to like do is like if a we, definite episode in this recast that we've done? Pick an episode that you can think of, and you're gonna turn that into a movie. What would that would be the the movie that that'll be the movie. The first movie in this planned okay. trilogy. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. All right. So, next up, we got Jordy LaForge. I picked this one's controversial because everybody hates him. Tyler James Williams. That little inside joke. Everybody hates Chris. Oh, I was like, I was trying to rack my brain. I was like, why does everybody hate him? Did he? Because one of the other things that made this casting weird, I think that this was just maybe another me thing, was sometimes I'd go to cast somebody and then be like, let me just make sure that they haven't, like, I'd Google their name and just check the recent news to be like, have they done something terrible that I need to know about, like, (laughs) recently where I don't want (laughs) to? I didn't, like, check to see if they were canceled per se, but I was definitely like, they haven't like done something racist recently, right? Like, I just have to check now because that's where we are as a society. Like, I picked Tyler James Williams because um, you take the good parts—not his death scene in The Walking Dead—but you take the like, you know, he can do com- comedic work, but he also can do drama. Like, I didn't know he he had the end on The Walking Dead. Like, holy shit! Like, I didn't see him do anything after Everybody Hates Chris until he popped up on The Walking Dead, and this, and I saw him, um, Dear White People, and I was like, holy shit, this dude can actually fucking act and for for Jordy I was like you want someone who can be comedic and do those geeky like those geeky parts of Jordy like just going right in on a soliloquy on the fusion um, fusion reactor or warp drive but also having to come back in and you want someone who'd be like like those episodes of Star Trek when Jordy is the commanding of like he is the higher rank commander on the ship and when Riker and Picard tell him alright you have the comm and he's like wait what like you want someone who you know can be like alright I can be a captain one day but I'm scared at this moment and who can play like that like that that Jordy and someone who you can think LeVar Burton can actually pass the torch to because at first I was going to do a cop out Donald Glover but I was like nah he's too he's, he's too big let me get someone not on Donald Glover's range, just right there on the cusp. I like that. I like that. No, that would be cool. That would be cool. Oh, I love. I just now I want to watch a bunch of Star Trek. No, I, I think he'd be a good fit. Um, I think he's got a good look for it. Again, with Jordy, there's something that like. He's very wholesome and relatable and complex. And so those are the things that I thought of when I was thinking of Jordy. And then in terms of physical appearance, I don't know. This or, I always just think of Jordy and I think of his little chipmunk cheeks. He's got them cute, like, big old cheeks. Um, so my casting of Jordy is one of the rare ones where I was like, this is somebody definitely too old, like, in reality. Because I also think Jordy's a little bit younger. Yeah. Um, but it's just, and if this was real life and he got cast, everyone would be pissed because they'd be like, he has way better stuff to do with his time than act in this fucking Star Trek remake. But 
I would love to see a Jordy LaForge played by a Jordan Peele. You want to get him out of retirement? I, I, I just, I, I love him. I think that the depth that he's capable of and that just, like, warmth that he exudes is so perfectly, like, you know, some castings I did based on the character and some case castings I did based on the actor that played them and some, like, they, my ideal was a mix of both, but some lean more towards the other. And I feel like Jordan Peele just reminds me a lot of LeVar Burton in the way, in, like, that reading Rainbow LeVar Burton where it's just, like, teaching you about stuff and, like, I don't know. I really like him. Okay. So, I thought he had a good look. I think he, like, his little glasses that he always wears would be such a cute little visor. He would be, like, he has the perfect, like, hairline. It's just... I want to see him cosplay Jordy LaForge. I think he would kill it. He would look great. Okay. It's very specific, I know. I know, very specific. All right. <laughs> Next up, Dr. Beverly Crusher. My pick, Jillian Anderson. Oh, wow. That means she has to be a redhead again. I know she hates it, but... Oh, that's a very good one. She, uh, 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 to me, that's a mic drop. She can, she can fucking killed it. She played David Bowie in fucking. Why well, I'm forgetting the name of the show? God damn it! Now the one that they unceremoniously got rid of Orlando Jones. Fuck. American Gods. There we go. Mm-hmm. Her playing that character where she she has to be doing different roles, but she's playing the character she has to originally play. But she's maybe David Bowie in one or Marilyn Monroe the next. And then you have um, Sex Education on Netflix, and it's like oh, she can she can do it all, like she can, like let's do it, and she's age appropriate for it, like she has teenage children, so I was like, what if you have someone who's a doctor in Starfleet? Well, what if she had Wesley, older than younger? It makes sense to have Wesley be a teen when Wesley's a teenager, and you see when you see Doctor Crusher and TNG is like, oh. It's perfect. She probably had Wesley older than younger because she's thinking about her career. She don't want to retire because she had a kid. It makes sense to have Jenny Anson, who's only 56. She looks incredible right now at 56. Like, side tangent. I did not know David Duchovny is 60 years old. Like, Jesus Christ. Any age, like, after you get to be about, I would say 25. When you're thinking of celebrities and how old they are, you need to add at least 10 years. Yeah. Like, there's something that happens. I'm almost 30. You're in your mid-30s. There's some things that happens. It starts earlier, though. Like, it's earlier than you realize. I've realized it now. But I realized that it probably started happening around 25 is when you will be shocked to see how old the people you remember from high school, which in your brain wasn't that long ago, Mm -hmm. but was actually a really long time ago, are. Because yeah. they were, t- a lot of times, especially, it's like, oh, because they were playing teenagers, so you assume they were teenagers themselves, but they were actually 28 playing a 17-year-old, so now they're 40. Like, it's just, <laughs> people will surprise you constantly. Andrew Garfield. Um, so yeah. Jillian yeah. <laughs> Anderson is my pick for Dr. Crusher. I think Jillian Anderson is a great choice. And she's, I think it, Sorry, go ahead. I don't have anything wrong with it. I will argue that I think my choice is equally perfect. I think that Beverly Crusher is the super smart, milfy redhead doctor. And the new The Strangers movie has taught me that the new super hot, milfy, take charge redhead is Christina Hendricks. 
She's weirdly hot, yes. but her entire shtick can revolve around things that have nothing to do with how hot she is, but instead how, like, you're going to listen to me and also respect me and also I'm everybody's MILF. It's just... She's at, she's the right age. She's the right redhead. She's already moved it. Whether or not, like, she in real life would have a child that's, like, 17 or whatever. Actually, she could, yeah. But, like, she's moved into the Hollywood era of, like, she plays MILFs now. And I think that there's no better redhead MILF for Christina Hendricks to play than Beverly Crusher. Yeah. I, I uh, 100% agree with you. Um, I told Christian, I remember Christina Hendricks, not from Mad Men. When I was in high school, I had a play, Playboy Mac, and she was a Playboy bunny at the time. I was like, and then seeing her on Mad Men, I was like, I remember her. She's just stupid hot. Just It's just dumb. I was like, it's just, uh, yeah. Um, she, I, I, basing off of Mad Men, I can definitely see her doing it. Right? I just think she'd kill it. Like, now, when we get to her son, I think it's really hard because, you know, Wesley Crusher's a kid. And so, like, anybody who would be the perfect age now is going to be too old by the time the show would enter production slash be on the air. So it's like, I think the kid ones especially are like, take with a grain of salt, wouldn't actually be possible. It's kind of fucked. Um, they, were pro- they would probably be unknowns, really. Like, those two actors, um, like the famous kids, a.k.a. You know, Wesley Crusher and then Jake Sisko, those are the famous kids, and I can safely say that they'd probably be played by, like, new actors we wouldn't know about if the show was reality cast. Yeah. So that's why the fantasy casting for kids was hard for me. But Wesley Crusher is, like, when you look at him, you're like, this could easily be some, like, you know young Republicans dweeby little punk ass bitch but then also it can be really cool <laughs> and I don't think anybody perfectly encapsulates the face of either a really cool dude that probably smokes a lot of weed or a young Republican like Finn Wolfhart does like when it comes to young actors you're already in a very small pool mm-hmm. and so let's be real it's, it's Finn Wolfhart 90% of the time or an unknown so I just I put Finn in there that's, that's my genius super creative casting choice for Wesley Crusher I picked his co-star, Noah Schapp. I feel that too. That's great. Honestly, yeah. Any of the Stranger Things kids, any of the It kids, throw them into any of the slots. Like, like the reason why I picked at out, the end of the day. Because the reason why I picked Noah Schapp is one, he was I I get it. He had a traumatic experience, but he got annoying to me in Stranger Things. That's why I did not finish season two. Only went through all of one. Perfect, um, because I feel like like Will Wheaton got a lot of hate for no reason. Where it's like, look, I'm just, I'm fine. It's not my fault I do it. Like, anything annoying is right and stuff. But it's like, nah. Yeah. Fuck that kid. And then, <laughs> I, and then I also thought of someone who can have that great old shit moment face. When someone tells him to shut up. Especially when Picard tells, goes like, shut up, Wesley. Like you want th- you want someone who can who has that look like oh fuck like a puppy don't know what the fuck you. I was gonna say that like not hit puppy dog but that like scolded puppy dog you know that face that they make when you walk into the room and see the damage they've done. Yeah. Like, I think Finn Wolfhard he has that like those those qualities of Wesley, where when Wesley's overconfident and you really want to kick his ass, Finn Wolfhard has those qualities. But I never seen Noah Schnapp has that. But I like Finn Wolfhard more. It's just, but also, you want to cut his hair? The, the kid got the locks, though. That's true. I mean, his co-star did it. So it's like, come on, it's time. 
I think everyone else should have to shave their heads like she did. I'm just saying. It's only fair. And bald is beautiful. Let's go. Cut it all. No one gets hair anymore. Yeah, I, I, I have my. Yeah, I can say it. I can say I have shaved my hair off for like a good two years. It's just hair. Fair. Okay, now this next one, I spent zero time on. I the first one that came to mind, I was like, this is more perfect than anything I could spend any amount of time thinking of. So I've never even considered another casting choice. I'm sure they're out there. So I'm really excited to see who you cast for Worf. Oh, I go first on this one. Okay. Yeah. Mike Coulter. <laughs> Mike Coulter, who is that? Luke Cage himself. Oh, I didn't watch any of the Marvel Netflix stuff. He's the Marvel Netflix guy? Yeah, uh, but he's also a voice actor. He has done... Um, I didn't even fucking look up the damn show I was supposed to look up. He's he's in a Netflix show um, where it's a all Latin American cast, but he's the only black guy in the whole cast who has a, who's a black FBI agent. But he also voiced the main character, Halo Reach. Um, he also done some voiceover and gig. Um, he said he also done some stuff that required him to put on some makeup. So which means you also have an actor who would not mind being put into makeup. Yeah, the makeup. Yeah, that's big. That is very big. And he has the physicality to actually do like I. I, I have a feeling. Yeah, I'm looking at him. He obviously you know he's got stunt work down if he's been on the Marvel Netflix. Yeah. I keep saying that like such a fucking boomer mom. The Marvel Netflix. I feel like that's like. <laughs> You I know what I mean? It's what are those called? It's properly accurate because they're not in the MCU. <laughs> right? Because I'm like, I can't just say like, oh, he's like MCU. Because he's like that weird, like, they want to be in the MCU. But the MCU's like, we don't know if you're cool enough to be part of us yet. But they're like, no, we're actually cooler than you. But they're like, yeah. So I don't know. The Marvel Netflix universe. I don't know the cute name for it. But yeah, no, he's got a great look for it. Yeah. Very cool. Now, who'd you pick? Honestly, he's got a good look for Cisco with that bald head goatee oh, yeah. combo. Like, but I think that's you, a great bald head goatee, and I think that's the most important part of Cisco. But I think but, you're gonna like my Cisco though when we get to them. Yeah, I'm excited for this Cisco. I'm excited for all these. Let's be real. But my wharf is very special to my heart because when I was a kid, my first experience with Jason Momoa was Star Trek Atlantis, and so whenever I think Jason Momoa, I always think sci-fi and like weird shit. Uh, like weird obnoxious headpieces because you have the huge like dreads wig um and so i would love to see now adult jason momoa come full circle back to his sci-fi roots he's huge he's muscular he clearly is game for anything so he would i'm sure like he seems so nerdy in interviews and shit like i'm sure he would love to do the makeup for it i would love to see jason momoa as wharf i could see it He'll have to be, he'll be, he has to be, and I remember Star Trek um, Atlantis, he'll have to be that character again. Right? Essentially, he has I to mean, not to be, to be typecasting, but come on, it's just a moment. I think it'd be a beautiful full circle moment. Like, See how much he's grown. Yeah, like, we don't, we don't need you to be the Jason Momoa that everybody knows and love. You need to be back old school Jason Momoa, the badass. Yes. I think we, it would be great. And my brother got to meet him at Long Beach Comic Con. He is, like, you see him in interviews. He's a real cool dude. Right? He just seems so, um, like, I think it would be so great to see a dude that, like, chill and cool and nerdy play, like, Worf. I love it when actors are so different from the characters they portray. But, okay, so I'm really, really excited for, so like I said, I picked William T. Riker's character. Mm -hmm. 
based on what I feel is the most galaxy-brained casting I've done in my entire life, um, which is Deanna Troy. Deanna Troy was my favorite Star Trek character when I was watching TNG, so this was really important to me to get right. But when I say, like, I'm looking at a picture of the two of them next to each other, and it's perfect. They're fucking twins. I need Deanna Troy to be played by Marina Baccarin. Marina Baccarin um, was Dr. Leslie Thompson in the show Gotham, and her and Ben McKenzie actually fell in love in real life on the set and got married, and the entire show got rewritten so that Dr. Leslie Thompson and Gordon could have a romance. That's how strong their chemistry is. So the chem- like to me, Riker is most interesting when he's horny for Troy. That's just like they they work well together. He's a little douchey by himself. So I feel like knowing that they will have that perfect on-screen chemistry and she will be perfect in that outfit, like the you know ridiculously V-lined outfit with the big curly brown hair. She's got the eyebrows. She's got the face. It just perfect. She was made to be this role. Convinced. Okay. I picked Ardia Adia Arjona. She's Adria lo- Arjona, I don't know. Um, she is in Six Underground with Ryan Reynolds. She was in Emerald City with um oh shit, he played Kingpin in Deadpool Daredevil. Um Fuck, how do I forget, how do I forget this fucker? Uh, I, I, I remember his name. I remember his name. She's going to be in Morbius. Yes. Oh, she was in True Detective. Okay. Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. <gasps> oh, she was in Good Omens. Yes, she was also in Good Omens. She has that range of, in Six, I'm basing it off of Six Underground and Triple Frontier, where she's playing two totally different characters. In Triple Frontier, when Ben Affleck and his crew come through, she's playing like she's trying to play them so she can d- get the money. Like you, you want someone who can. Like when you think of Deanna Troy, the episodes that come to mind was um, when she was vulnerable when she met another person who was half human, half um, what the fuck was Deanna Troy's race again? Really, really, you want to do this to me now, PC? Don't, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. Oh. Should I tell you, or would you like to like? Are you trying to remember? I'm never sure if it's annoying to be like, "What's this one?" When you're trying to think of it, Please. but she's a Betazoid. Thank you. You was gonna really, you was gonna let me like. I was like, let me give you a couple minutes, but I was like, I don't want to leave you hanging too. It's a balance, you know what I mean? It's like I don't want to come in and like not give you the chance, and you'd be like, "Come on, I had it. It was on the tip of my tongue." But then I also want to be like, you knew the whole time and you just let me sit there, you fucked. Like, it's a balance, you know? <laughs> okay, alright. Um, so yeah, she, she, I feel she has the the approachability to play in that beta zoid where she's not too innocent, she's not she, you want some I'm going off of season one, Diana Troy more than two and, two and beyond. And that's important because we're talking about like, you know, if we were to recast, they'd be starting at the beginning. So like the kids' ages that I'm looking at are like, obviously this would be because, you know, the age that they started, not because you have like Jake graduating college at the end, you know, like there's a big gap. But yes, I was thinking specifically like these are the people who would be coming in when their character was introduced. Because like, and also I realized Betazoids look young, but they're really older than they are. So I was thinking Mm -hmm. like, so she 
And I, that's Miranda Bakkerin to me. Yeah. <laughs> she, I, mean, I, from, um, I know you haven't seen it, but Firefly. That, that. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah. If, if you recall, she also has um, sci-fi roots because back in the day, she was in Firefly. I forgot when I was going to... Trying to hit the big ones, and I forgot about that. Yes, but, uh, way back in the day, way back. God, but Adria, I feel like she can play the softness of a Betazoid, especially Deanna. But then that episode where Deanna's mother, um, Luxana, was um, was technically in their version of In Heat. Um, like I love it, yes, and then Deanna was just talking about um, what Betazoid women go through, and just Riker's like, Really. And he just sitting there with a, with a shit eating grin on his face. You can pick. I can picture Zachary Levi giving that shit eating grin because he's like, "Oh, I, I know what I'm expecting." Even though they're not together in season one, it was mm-hmm. like way later. You could just tell he's like, "Oh, I know what's gonna happen in the future before she even does." Which perfectly transitions us to who would you cast as Lorsana Troy? The woman who exudes sexiness at her age, Selma Hayek. Now, now that I know who Adria is, and I definitely see the family resemblance there too. Because um, I, I somehow like, yep, yeah, that would be her hot mom. Because I almost fucked up, and I was like Adria for um, Deanna, and then Winona Ryder to bring her back Star Trek. But I was like, wait, no. If I'm going with a Latin feel for right, the, um, it's very the, nice the, the connection beta, there for the Betazoids. Let's get Sam Hayek. Yeah. Oh, I feel that. And Sam Hayek gorgeous and i would love to see her in anything come on oh yeah and i can't, um, wait, I can't wait to see her in, in the internals when they keep on saying oh she's the leader of the internals set up Selma hayek is the a leader of the mcu this mcu team let's go i can't wait okay so for me i went in a different direction i love the fact that major barrett was the walks on a troy and so i love the idea of like a og female cast member being easter egged into a super fun you know super kind of like weirdly woke feminist because like owning their sexuality milf role and so for me i thought it would be the most fun to bring kate mulgrew back in that role i think she looks the part really well of that like because major barrett at a glance wasn't ever like super hot milf no offense major barrett it was just like oh you're not that like that was what was so great about it's like oh you're not what you just kind of look your age and you're just like an older lady who's super like self-confident and up in their own stuff and i just feel like kate mulgrew has that very self-confident aura that made her so great as janeway and it would be such a lovely juxtaposition to go from janeway to the like much less sexually repressed um looks on us so that was my easter egg to the i looked back through all of the og cast and i was like between all three of these, like TNG, DS9, Voyager, who would be the best best looks on a Troy? So that was my criteria. I was looking at just like the old cast from these three shows, and it just it felt so right saying Kate Mulgrew. Actually, I actually like um, the Kate Mulgrew uh, Mulgrew pull. She's instantly when you said that, Flemeth. She's she's great with fans. Like if you go to her Twitter, it's all Star Trek stuff. Like she's very much like a Trekkie, and, and so I feel like she'd be game for it. Like. I feel like it's super gettable. Also, don't get her started on Dragon Age. If you mention like, uh, Dragon Age to her, she's gonna. She is not happy. What happens to her character at the end of Inquisition? I'll just say that, people. 
She's not happy. I love her so much. I love her so much. So yeah, that was my like more of a nerdy in like a like fourth wall break casting than it was like this is the perfect person this character. So I love that we kind of went in opposite directions with it. Um, so that's my thing. Now, what's great is because that one was really fun and easy and I had a great time with. And then I got to Data. And the character I had the hardest time casting was Data. I cast everyone else. I cast, because it was down to him and Picard. I was like, I cast Picard. And I was like, okay, that felt impossible. And I did it. Let me go back to Data after my 12 tries. I spent two weeks thinking about how to fucking cast Data. And then I woke up today and my Twitter and my trending was nothing but spoilers for WandaVision. And I was like, you know what? Paul Bettany. Fuck it. He would be he's basically playing data right now. He's obviously great at it. He's shown the range. He's sh- and I love him because he's an atheist and he pr- proposed to his wife in a really cute way. Mm-hmm. And he's just a really great guy. Yep. But I just put it was very difficult. If anybody's like that's like a um cop out or whatever, fuck you. I worked so hard and then finally was like, I'm not gonna fight it. I'm just not I'm not gonna fight this. It's Paul Bettany. Well, I think that blows my my pick out of the water. I I've just started watching um, Lovecraft Country. I'm liking it already. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked Jordan Patrick Smith. Ooh. Now I think you were agreeing with me, so let's go back to the part where you're agreeing with me. Did you also have a hard time with Data? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I really did. And the reason, and the, I was doing this list while I was watching Lovecraft Country, and then he, this actor I picked, popped up. Um, he worked for the Braithwaite's in the first two episodes. Um, he was like their manservant. He had that. See, his- I love Vikings. So, if uh, anybody who hasn't seen Lovecraft uh, County, he was in Vikings. Oh. Um, and so he's he definitely he can do like fuck. He can get bloodthirsty. Like he has great range there too. Okay. So because I was I was looking um, like he had those. Was, I had to say it, he had those dead eyes, but he was like I was thinking of Data right there. I was like, right, yeah, could- like that's what it felt like in in Vikings. So that's what it is. Like where it's like you know, yes. Like, Very same. I was like, "What, well, Paul Bettany? My favorite role of Paul Bettany, besides Vision, A Knight's Tale, when he was the, he was basically Heath Ledger's hype man. So like, I like, I know Paul Bettany has that range. That's why I love your pick. Right, like it's it's it was so hard. I'm so happy that you also struggled with that. I don't know. I wasn't expecting Data to be hard, and then I was just like overwhelmed with options. But at the same time, it requires such nuance. So I was just like, no. Yeah. So, it's too hard. I'm it's have very to, stressful. You know, I might have to take the L on this one. I'm sorry, Jason Patrick. I'm going with uh, <laughs> Paul. Right, I feel like we'd have an easier time, like no, like Altino Shade. I think we'd have an easier time getting him than Paul Bettany. I think Paul Bettany might be a little busy. Uh, so there's just a real what cast. Like I'd probably send the call out to him first. But because Paul Bettany, because Paul Bettany was really doing nothing besides the MCU movies, and then yeah, he, but now he's got a lot of MCU shit to do. I'm sure they're gonna be cameoing and everything from here to the sunsets, and we got 12 more seasons of Wandavision to go. <laughs> but the thing, but the reason why I, I'll give it to Paul Bettany because MCU, they let the actors do what they want before coming back for the sequel. That's true. It's not like they. It's not like it's not quite to the level of studio actors because they they do pretty much let them do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, other films wise, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Like Chris Hemsworth had like, well, they both failed. He would have had two franchises if they didn't fail. Besides doing Thor, but those that's two true. those two franchises failed. So obviously, well, except for um, Ghostbusters, like, could come back. 
Go actually then okay after, we got afterlife coming but extraction is um something he's going to be doing so that's but that's tied to the russo brothers wait i think paul ben is doing a movie for the russo brothers so yeah it's, it's like the end with the mcu is like all right you don't have to do another marvel movie but we're doing something on our own you want to come over here that's what it seems that's okay. what it looks like that's what it looks like that's why mm-hmm. that's why i pick um I'm typing. Okay, it out I'm right gonna now. ask him if Paul Bettany would like to be in my Star Trek remake as Jada. He is. He can gladly have the job. Ooh. I'm just throwing that out there. Let's put a star no. next to his name for Picard. <laughs> Let's put a star next to his name for Picard. Oh yeah, no, he can do whatever he wants. If he wants to come in and be fucking Tasha Yar, he can be whatever he wants. Okay, I'm, I'm here for it. That's a good segue. Tasha Yar. Paul Bettany is Q. No, Tasha Yar. I have two questions for. Not only who do you cast, but Spoilers, people who've never seen TND, TNG. Do you kill her? And if you do, do you kill her as early as she died? Yeah. Yes to all of it. I cast yes. Okay. So for me, because um, because I told you we we're gonna just do an episode um, as the movie. I'm picking the ep- I'm picking for the first movie that alien that killed her just with a swipe, but I wanted to make it of a more meaningful, meaningful death. Like, she really went out fighting, not just that, like, a swipe. Well, bitch, yeah, no, totally. Like, this is... It's like a, a good episode to do. So that would be, like, a good first movie. Like, it's showing you right off the bat. This is the stakes that they're in. And who's starring in this movie? So, for Tasha Yar, an actress who don't mind dying in a movie, because she did it before, Charlize Theron. Tasha, yeah. I have zero problems with this. My only request is that Charlize Theron has to have the exact painfully late 80s blonde hairstyle that Tasha Yar had. No adjustments. It has to be the exact same. I think, does she have it now already? She kind of does, but she has it way cooler. I'm not, I'm not talking like a hip like redo. That's obvious. No, I mean the exact just one flock of seagulls wave okay. down her face. Okay. Art. Um, the reason why I picked... That's my only request. Okay. The reason why I picked Charlie Theron for this, because Christian asked, because I was telling him the list, he's a white Charlie Theron, she's an A-lister. I was like, she's an A-lister who doesn't mind being a supporting actor. He was like, what did she do that she was supporting? Prometheus. Loved her in Prometheus. BT Dubs loved the movie Prometheus. I don't give a fuck who knows it. Yeah, I was like, her and Idris Elba are technically the top two actors in the movie besides Naomi Ripace and Michael Fassbender. I was shocked. So, uh, spoilers for Prometheus, skip 30 seconds because I'm just going to say it and then move on. I was shocked when she got killed because she was such a major actress. I was like, oh shit, okay. Well, yeah. you just got switchered. The end. Her and um, over. her and Idris Elba. I was like, wow, they, they both died. Uh, okay. All right. I sent you the link to the exact hair that she has to have just so you know how um, wispy and wavy it has to be. Just just so you know. That's... Isn't that this. towards the end of her death, though? Kind of you s- hey, you said... You said the, the OG. She also has one where her hair is all, the, all like all the way slicked back that's pretty good but no this is the one that i want i, I pick this one i think she was, it was this all is the my way. request okay i pick which one i want and this is the one i pick i don't want like cute like 90s lesbian i don't want current ellen degeneres i want this one i'm conceding i'm conceding to the air thank you um i think that when you said the slip back i think that's when um it was implied that she slept with data when it was um 
It was not implied. Okay, all right, they smashed. She slept with Dana. <laughs> okay, they smashed. But um, he kept the hologram little picture of her forever to make himself feel nice. They smashed. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm seeing to that. Um, who is your? Okay, well, wait. What if we do it to where instead of having any of those haircuts, we do it where Charlize Theron plays Tasha Yar. But she has to have the alternate, like, Vulcan-style Tasha Yar haircut where she looks like Sarah from Dragon Age. Ooh. You know what I'm talking about? That yeah. horrible one? Yeah. When they bring her back? Because the actress was like, JK, I want to come back to the show. Sorry, the, I let myself get killed. Um, that hair. She has, but she has to have it the whole time. Not just as, like, her comeback. That's the hair the whole time. Like a, like a good callback to, like, that episode of TNG. Like if you, if you, but, if you for people who don't know, it's like a really hard like bowl cut, but then you gave yourself V bangs and long sideburns. It's great. It's great. Okay. I love it. Now your Tasha Yar. Okay, so for my Tasha Yar, I would still kill her. I might be tempted to lengthen the amount of time before the episode where she dies. Like I might be tempted to because I love her. But, uh, one, she basically already has the hair for it. Two, she's great on weird TV shows, and she's not afraid to get physical, to be the bad guy, to get ugly, to do whatever the fuck you need her to do. Um, my Tasha Yar would be Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay. Uh, I think that it's, like, there's something about Tasha Yar that when I think of Tasha Yar, I think short hair and resting bitch face. And that's a lot of Jada Pinkett Smith. They got those, like, really piercing eyes, and they both have the the same, like, greeny hazel eyes. And it's just, you know, I would do whatever you told me to, and I would be terrified of the consequences. But then I could also, like, she can do warm super well, too. And so when you have, like, you know, she can do both. And so it's just, like, the aura is right, but then the capacity to show episodes with more depth is definitely there. Okay. Yeah, it's not a revolutionary, but that's that's one of my my sleeper picks. Um, we are you, you definitely are gonna get those fanboys. who's gonna bitch him on. We're Tush, you're gonna be black. Shut the fu- sit there and shut the fuck up. Yeah, I like when I when I was looking at the characters and I was honing in on the things I wanted to focus on. Sometimes it led me to different ethnicity, and I'd be like, I will say if it led me to different different ethnicity, and it was a character that was already like black or Asian, I was like, do I really need to like? make this a white person and i was like let me see if i can find somebody else um but when i was a white bitch i was like i'm not worried about white blondes getting cast i literally have four white blondes cast in this other show fuck it um like you gave it to the very rich jada pinkett smith who totally needs it (laughs) book uh miles o'brien i will freely admit my miles o'brien is probably a little bit more of a throwaway choice or like shot in the dark choice than some of my other ones but for me the most important things about miles o'brien is our cantankerous irish curly hair and so for me i went with the colin morgan who for people who don't know or might not know was the star of the show merlin it was on sci-fi channel for like 12 million years um but it was really big in the bbc too because yeah he's irish and uh he was merlin in merlin (laughs) Uh, and then he was also in a show called humans which other people might not know but it was a bbc show that was really cool because it was like what if detroit became human or detroit become human but like we did it first and better um 
And so he was in that, and he was really good in that. He's just very Irish. He's got great curly hair, and uh, he looks. You know, he he get he does furrowed brow cantankerous really well. That's it. That's the end of my criteria. Okay, I picked Dom Hall Gleason. That is an amazing choice. Dead ass, like dead ass. That is an amazing choice. Love it. Love that for him. If any movie no he, fighting. No. Okay. So we're going right over to uh, Kiki. Like. Yeah, I will say the people who might not know, um, he was the one of three people in Ex Machina, um, the one that wasn't the robot or uh, Oscar Isaac. That's Dom Hall and Gleason. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but that might be the biggest thing that he's in. If you're not immediately placing him, or, uh, so he's he's got that like blonde ginger, like he's so ginger, it's almost blonde. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's great. That's amazing. Okay. That's great. Kikio O'Brien, Miles O'Brien's wife. I picked. Eleanor Matsura. You don't know who she is. She was in Spooks for BBC with um, Jon Snow. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was in 2015. She did a stage. I saw the stage version of A Midnight Summer's Dream. She was also in that. She's currently on The Walking Dead. As an original. She's Walking Dead. Yeah, Yumiko. I haven't watched The Walking Dead, so I'm just going off of what I've seen before. So, which means I'm going for more range. And I, to my understanding, she's not a top billing actor on The Walking Dead, so she's more supporting. So, when I was thinking of Kiki O'Brien, she technically crosses over into Deep Space Nine. I figured someone who wouldn't mind being like a reoccurring, even if it's just a movie, someone who's just reoccurring, and then you're going to give them a bigger role down the line anyway. So, I was like, and then plus. This one is badass. <laughs> like, fuck yes. Let me let's get Kiko. Oh, I mean, Eleanor Matsu. Keiko. Yeah, Keiko. As yeah, no, Keiko's super cool. Um, I have not watched The Walking Dead, and I know some obscure British shows, but not those ones. Um, she looks very cool. She looks like she could be married to Donald Gleason. However, um, my pick. A couple of these picks are like justice for the poor cast of Suicide Squad that got shunned. But uh, my pick for Keiko O'Brien is Karen Fukuhara. She was terribly, pitifully underused as Katana in Suicide Squad, and she's been in a bunch of other stuff too, but that's probably her biggest. Uh, and I just think she's got that, like, you know, we know that she's cool with makeup. We know she's cool with stunts. We know she's cool with a bunch of, you know, fuckery behind the scenes, and she'll still turn it out. Uh, and I, I like her face. There you go. <laughs> I'm with, uh, Keiko's, Keiko's important, but she doesn't have, like, a huge role where it's like, okay, there's this big aspect. It's more like, okay. I like that choice. I, I okay. totally forget about Karen Fukuhawa. I follow her. I, ha I follow her YouTube channel. Uh, Same. I, I like her. I she, I would have had her cast. I get what they try to do for Ghost in the Shell, but still, I would have cast oh. her as Motoko. Yeah, I'm gonna say, oh, I see what you're going with this. Like you no. see her on the boys. Oh fuck yes. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't put so like as soon as I thought of uh, Keiko O'Brien, I was like Karen Fukuhara, like. I didn't spend much time thinking about her. It was, just, it was kind of like just Mo, where I was like, well, this just makes such perfect sense. I'm not going to waste time wondering if I'm wrong. I'm just going to assume I'm right. Okay. That's, 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 two, that's two you got me. That's two you got me crossing over. Okay. 
So, and then my next one, I'm not going to lie. There's like two or three I'm particularly proud of. This is one I'm particularly proud of. Um, my next one is for Q, okay. which was to not a particularly hard one to fill, but a very important one. It was one of the first ones that I sat down and was like, all right, I got to take this seriously. Who's going to be Q? And then I realized there's only one option for Q. And it's the person that we all want to see just fucking around with the power to rewrite reality and just just popping in to cause mischief and go Loki style. And that's Pedro Pascal. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be fun. I think he'd have a great time. I think anytime he showed up, it would be amazing. I think he'd get his own spinoff show just about Q. And it would just be a great vehicle for him. Because he's fun. He's a fun guy. Okay. Uh, I picked Tommy Hiddleston. For all those reasons. I was about to say it. Like, I was like, <laughs> he's Loki-esque. And I was about to say, like, I don't want to just pick, like, Loki. Because I kind of like him, I don't know, a little bit stockier. Tom Hiddleston's a little thin for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Tom Hiddleston's not bad. Again, it's it's that kind of chaotic, neutral energy that you got to bring to it. And he's definitely shown he can bring that. But I think Pedro Pascal being allowed to just be totally chaotic, neutral would be really fun. It's going to be half and half. I'm like, I like, I like my pick. I like my pick. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's a bad one. That's decent. So we're done with TNG. Now, we already know I picked my episode. What is yours? I would do The Measure of a Man. Uh, people who don't know the measure of the man uh, of a man is a tri- is basically an episode that's kind of like what if Star Trek tried to be Perry Mason and it's an episode where they're like Data's not a person he's a robot so that means that we can just like chop him up into pieces and then sell his his copper for for money or whatever you know we're evil we're gonna kill him because we can and then Picard was like you can't kill him he's my friend. And, you know, everybody loves him. And then they were like, okay, well, if he's your friend and he's not a piece of plastic, prove that he's a sentient being deserving of rights. And so the episode is about, like, what it means to be not just human, but, like, what it means to be sentient and what it means to be a person and dealing with, like, the idea of, like, you know, AI and what happens when they cross the line to becoming self-aware and where is that line and just, like, really interesting, complex sci-fi themes that, you know, Star Trek has a lot of different flavors and one of my favorite flavors is when it goes hardcore like asimov style sci-fi and i think this is a really good episode like um example of that while also being like a cool like civil war style marketing campaign because you know in the episode like some of the sorry like some people are on data side and some people have to argue on behalf of the scientists particularly uh Riker basically gets stuck being the prosecuting attorney and so it's like oh shit there's this complex like which side are you on and like does data deserve these rights and it, it would be really fun um that's a good fun episode fun is a weird word for it but like it's it's a very good thought-provoking it would do well to see it an hour and a half or longer big production done so so you're going more diplomatic and i'm going more action right and denise crosby is still in it because she has like a little holographic cameo so it has a lot of the cast in it okay now deep space nine yes you go first I get really torn between Deep Space Nine and Voyager for which one is my favorite of the three um, in real life. And then making this casting, it was hard too. But I think DS9 might be my favorite casting. Um, Benjamin Sisko, all three captains, obviously to the surprise of probably no one, were some of the hardest to cast. Let's get that out of the way. Like when you're looking at who's going to be the captain, that's 
intimidating. So for Benjamin Sisko, I wanted somebody that could be bald. That's always important in a male captain in Star Trek. Um, Somebody that I knew could pull off bald well. I wanted somebody who could do a good goatee. I wanted somebody who had really, really strong, stern, but loving dad vibes. That was like my go-to. And so I spent a lot of time searching and I thought it was going to be hard. And then just when I was about to give up on it being easy, inspiration struck. And this is one of my top three galaxy brain picks. I'm going Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, he plays Paperboy in Atlanta. And I think he would be great. He'd have to shave his head for me, personally. Sorry. Uh, you gotta go bald. You got, you got it. It's already shiny. But other than that, he's already there. He's perfect. I think he's got that great... He, he can do drama. He can do comedy. He can really like just hold his own in a scene alongside some top-tier actors. Because in Atlanta, he's been up against some really really good people and he's always held his own and i think he would be great at leading a show like this the actor i picked michael k williams not even a good job kaylee not even that was you know i see your awesome pick and raise you nothing (laughs) here's the thing all right you're like that's cute kaylee You, you think you did good move out of my way Brian, I don't see Brian. I don't see Brian Tyree Harry as that that captain that give you that gravitas. Um, I I don't. And it's really gonna, I- and it's weird to see that he's gonna like you know there's certain actors who do certain roles and it's like can they really be in this type of a role like Camille Nanjani? I never would ever. I and it's gonna be until I see the internal. I don't see him as a superhero. You don't see him as a superhero? Oh, man. And and, and I have, I'm the type of person, like, you give me a picture of you with muscles, yay, but I need to see you actually acting like a superhero. Oh, and see, for me, it's not the muscles. For me, I see Rahul Kohli as a superhero because when he was no. in uh, The Haunting of Fly Manor... Camille, not, uh, um, not, not Rahul. Oh, 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 sorry, Camille. Sorry, sorry. I, went to, I was like, I didn't even hear he was being cast in that. That's crazy. I got really excited. Never mind, never mind. <laughs> I was uh, like, you don't see him as a superhero. He's like such a superhero in real life. But yeah, like that's why I wanted to. I was looking at like good pictures of him, but like it's weird when you see Brian Tyree Henry like in dad mode. He just looks like a totally like he looks like a college professor in a lot of his more serious like profile shots and stuff. And that's when I was really like, okay, yeah, because I was afraid that he might be a little bit too like funny and he'd look too soft, but. Then when I see shots where he's just like, you know, like, I can get down to fucking business. Um, And he was in um, Into the Spider-Verse, and he did really good voice acting there. Um, And he was also really good in If Bill Street Could Talk. So he's done a lot of really hard-hitting, serious stuff. So I I disagree that he doesn't have the gravitas for it. He's also almost 40. So my concern with Brian K. Williams is that he's he's a little old, he's a little gray to have, like, because Jake Sisko's so young. Michael, it was just uh, like he always he always struck me as being a little younger of, of a of a captain. I, the reason I picked Michael K. Williams, um, and this is actually kind of true, is I, every time you pick Michael K. Williams for something, it's either a villain role or someone who's just like the killer. He and or the gangster. He was or he was completely written out of Solo, the Star Wars movie. So it's like you, you never, or in 
Lovecraft Country as an example where he's playing a dick father. Like, let's give him something where he he has done stage plays that I got to see where he proved that he can be that that father that in that in the Cisco esque gravitas. I'm going to use that word a lot. To be prepared. Um, he's got gravitas. That's what Cisco has. And you want that actor you who's going to instill some wisdom to Jake and everyone that's in his um in his vicinity. And I'm gonna just get it out the way. The the episode or movie I would pick for for D Space Nine is when Cisco finally became captain. So remember for the whole two seasons and half the like half of the third season, Cisco was still a, uh, was a commander. He was never captain. For for this, he will be finally a captain but like towards the end of the movie like go through the whole entire thing where he's like like he's doing all this like um the episode the adversary from um deep space nine where he's dealing with that coup um the dude that coup d'etat um and he's just like it's just him and dax and o'brien's trying to uh, um stop the sabotage from happening so you have it be almost more of like a political thriller yeah like a not political, but like yeah, almost like a not hunt for red October, but like yeah, I know like a coup d'état, like yeah, yeah, that would be a good episode or not good enough. That that's a good episode to make into a movie. That would be a good like because you you could elongate it to a movie length without it feeling elongated. Like there's a lot of like intrigue and conversations and stuff like that. And that's why I picked Michael K. Williams is like he like he thrives in that type of. Thing. I feel like Michael K. Williams is at least a decade too old. Isn't he like isn't he like around the same age as Brian Terry? He's fifty four. Eh, he can be. I like he's fifty four, but he's all white. Like his beard is all like he's an old fifty four. Bless his heart. <laughs> or, like you know what I mean? Like there's fifty four, and then there's like yeah, he's definitely fifty four, and this guy is definitely fifty four. There's some people. <laughs> there's some people who mature who who gray who grays faster than others. Right. My hair's half gray. I'm not talking shit. Like, this is coming from a very real place. Like, I get it. It is what it is. But your beard is white, so you're going to look older. Like, that's just reality. We live in a society with rules. Hey, as black people. But I I feel like the idea of casting, because Michael K. Williams is an amazing actor. I love that. So, I kind of want, so hear me out. Let's skip down real quick. Okay. My pick for Odo was... I picked from my heart, even though the character, the actor I picked was literally already in Star Trek as something else. Mm. What about Brian K. Williams playing Odo? You mean Michael K. Williams as Odo? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank you. You still got Brian Terry Henry in your mind. Yeah, I'm. Lo- I'm looking at so many names on my screen <laughs> right now. I'm really bad at too. Those tests where it's like the word green, but it's written in blue font, and you're supposed to say the color that it is, not read the word. Those things suck at those okay so who you have originally as odo so for me when i first thought odo recast mm-hmm. i was like oh, he's literally on an active season of star trek but odo is just like Clayface. odo is the epitome of like you need a person that can do anything who's caref- who's very very comfortable with very intense prosthetics that limit their ability to use their face in any way to emote somebody who can do anything who can be cool with transformation sequences and nobody does that to me like doug jones 
Like, Doug Jones would be perfect for anything that you need to throw at him, for anyone Odo becomes, for any weird shit you need done. He'll be in that Odo makeup all day and not even think twice about it. He's done everything you could possibly think of, and he's still around for more. So, and, like, obviously he's using tons of practical effects in his current role in Star Trek, but I really liked Doug Jones' Odo, but obviously he's already in Star Trek, and Michael K. Williams sounds like it'd be way more fun. I like I, I do like Doug Jones because for the auto makeup it'd be less evasive than what he's wearing for uh, Discovery, right? And he's done more evasive in even more films. Like yeah. he he'll get whatever you need. You need Odo to transform more because we don't really play with the shapeshifter shit in the show. But maybe in this new show we will. He will wear whatever makeup you want. Okay, so for my auto, I picked Matt Smith. <gasps> That's a good one. His face already kind of looks like the character from The Mask. I know. Like, Matt Smith really can transform into these different roles. And that's what I was really thinking about when I, when I saw Renee Algebois for Otto. And then, like, seeing everything he has done prior to Deep Space Nine, I can see why he was cast for Otto. And I was thinking of Matt Smith automatically. A funny face it's weird because it's another one where it's like i have to look at his age because in my head he's just such a baby but that was a decade ago and he's yeah. not yeah god all right let's go back to the list top of the list yeah so now let's get back up so um we were coming back off cisco and we are very heavily divided on cisco we yeah. went in very opposite directions so i'm curious if that's going to impact our choices for jake cisco for jake i picked caleb mclaughlin another stranger kids kid Oh, I see the Stranger Kids. I so <laughs> this is rare. I never know any of the Stranger Kids names, so I have to look them up. I almost put him, and then I was like, I can't just keep putting all of the Stranger Kids kids as the young kids. So then I was like, okay, I need to think harder about this. And so after I banned myself from using any Stranger Kids or It actors, mm-hmm. it got very difficult. But then I was like, let me just look up like young like child actors. Um, and I started flipping through, and that's when I stumbled upon what I think is a really solid choice. And that's Seth Carr. And Seth Carr is the one that played Baby Killmonger in the opening scene of Black Panther. And I thought he fucking killed it. He's a great age. He's got that look to him where he looks like he could be really mischievous. But then, like, you know, he could grow up to be like a good boy. You could straighten him out. You could talk to him. Um, and he's, uh, like very young so you got you got like jake starts so young and then grows so old and i liked that i i didn't mind aging up like will wheaton's like you know wesley crusher to get to finn wolfhart being 18 i didn't like playing maybe 15 you know okay fine wesley crusher's 15 that's a reasonable age but jake i wanted to keep around like 12 and so i thought seth car would be a good choice to like have a 12 year old jake cisco that then grows with the show as opposed to like casting older and then being stuck with like a a 13-year-old going through, like, 17-year-old puberty. I, I, that was my choice. I, I went with, um, teenagers. I was like, let's yeah. cast, let's cast. A majority, I was gonna... You have to, like, really, because that's, if it's gonna be a kid that young, they're basically gonna have to be unknowns, because they're so fucking young. Like, it's, it's very hard to dream cast young roles. Like, I, I, I aged everyone up. I was like, mm-hmm. so when I thought of Jake Sisko, I feel like, you know what? If I'm going to make Jake Sisko a teenager. Yeah, you made Jake it. so like, you made Benjamin Sisko like 60. So, you know. <laughs> In our mythological world, Michael K. Williams is barely hitting 50. <laughs> <laughs> and Caleb McLaughlin's at the right age already to be playing Jake. 
Is that real? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It checks out. Okay, now, your Kira Nairs. Okay, I don't particularly like Kira, so I didn't want to spend a lot of time on her because I don't care about her. But whenever I see pictures of Kira Nairs, or even when I go back and watch DS9, I am always jarringly struck by how much she looks like Anna Kendrick. Wow. And I feel like if you slap that, like the nose ridges on Anna Kendrick, you will piss yourself because you will be looking at Kira Nairs. I'm, I'm convinced they look so much alike. I so going purely on physical Anna Kendrick. I went with Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. I think she looks more like Kira than. Um, l- See Kira, when I think of Kira, I think the thin, big mouth, like thin lips, but big, wide Julia Roberts mouth, yeah. and then the really, really thin, long nose. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead doesn't have a thin, long nose, and she's got them big lips. To but, me, but, I'm but big- I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead's eyes are closer. I will give you that. And I'm thinking like since Kira is more of the actioning type, and I'm like I can't picture. Um, Oh, Anna Kendrick's done action roles, and she did all that stunt work in, uh... <laughs> it feels weird to give her credit for this, but she did that stunt work in Twilight. I have never seen Twilight. I have... <laughs> I do not associate Anna Kendrick I know, that's Anna- why I was like, I don't want to remind people that she was in that, but... <laughs> yeah, I know she's done her own stunts before. I... I, I, I mean, can't... She's got bigger titties than I thought she did. I'm sorry, I'm a garbage person, it's okay. Hey. But yeah, no, I did not spend a lot of time on it. I went straight with, like, whenever I see that picture, like, I see that nose, and I see the little ridges, and I'm like, just slap a little, you know those, like, breathe right strips? Mm-hmm. Just slap, like, a breathe right strip with, you know, some clay on top that has the ridges, and you're there. She's done. She looks just like her. I think Anna Kendrick might be half Bajoran, is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so we are now divided on two characters. We're, gonna, we're, divided on a couple, we're divided on a couple, but like yeah. strongly. DS9 has been a very divisive show yeah. so far. Uh, okay. Dude. We're going to cut down to Julian Bashir now, if I do believe. And this one was pretty fun for me. Same here. Julian's a fun character. Um, where, where did you end up going? Slight tangent. I got delivered right now some spicy chicken nugs from McDonald's. Oh, did you get the like six free nugs if you order twenty dollars for the food my brother mom got it so i i i, I never had the spicy nugs from mcdonald's before this is the swipe first. the nugs so this is a, this is the first a first so let's go all right so oh yeah we're at julian bashir i pick naveen andrews it's a good choice I'm going to have to double check his age, actually. He was, he, doing, he was in Lost? Yeah. I was like, he was in Lost. Yeah, he's 52 years old. You did my thing, but then you were like, fuck it, everyone's old. Yeah. All your characters are in their 50s when they're supposed to be in their 30s. And and he, and he the reason why I like, I feel Naveen could do it. He plays Dorian in Dragon Age Inquisition. So you know, fam, that's a voice roll. You can't tell that he's sixty on his voice roll. I don't care. I'm going for the flair. I'm picturing how he, how he was being flamboyant and flair, and and Bashir he's like it's either either or with Bashir. So I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. I'm casting Naveen Andrews. See, for me, Julian Bashir is sometimes really good at being a playboy, and sometimes the most awkward dweeb attempting to be a playboy that you'll meet in your life. 
And, you know, it's like, which one are you going to get depending on this attempt? And I find that endearing because sometimes he really gets it and he's so smooth. And other times it's like, you're such a dork. Look at you trying to be cool. Um, and that led me straight to Rahul Kohli. He's like, he's hot enough to where, like, if he actually put on, like, a good smooth, he'd be smooth as fuck. But he does, like, he is such, like, a cute dork that he does cute dork well. He's got the British accent. He's just, like, he's very just hot, dorky Indian guy. So you let him keep the beard or he has to shave it off? I'm not, I would say probably, like, a... My issue with beards on Star Trek is that I love having the, like beard equals villain version with the exception of Cisco. And so if we start letting everybody have their beards, it's like, well, then what's the point of having the fucking evil twin versions be bearded? Kills all the fun. So I like to keep beards to a minimum. I would have to see Rahul Kohli uh, smooth-faced in the outfit, and I would tentatively allow him to grow it at a later season. Okay. That's, that's how I feel. Because I'm not against his beard. Heavens now. But for Julian Bashir, I'd probably want to start smooth face. But, but I mean, Cisco shit started off with, you know, bad hair. And then he got the bald goatee. Yeah. So we, we all have some growing pains. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're talking starting. <sighs> all right. Jazzy. Oh, I can never pronounce her damn name. Her first yeah, Dax is another one of my favorites. I just thought that Terry Farrell was so stupid hot. And she had the, like, the thing I love about Jadzia Dax is that Jadzia is a character that can perfectly play a normal, like, way too hot, like, 30-something-year-old woman and then also be like, I have the mind of a 900-year-old horny man inside me and also nine other minds. Like, you know, the, the, the amount of depth that goes into any Dax character is really intense. But especially with Jadzia, I think of her being, like, especially in those early seasons, like, that, that early season and those early episodes where it's like, oh... You used to be my, like, drinking buddy, philandering, old, like, Jiraiya character. And now it's like if Jiraiya suddenly became Eno. Like, it's just like, wait, what? I'm confused. I don't understand what's happening. Um, and so I needed a woman that I thought could also play Jiraiya, basically. And so for me, the strikingly blue-eyed brunette hottie that I went with, with the type of range that I thought could deliver, was Alison Brie. Oh, okay. okay. I'm not like obsessed per se with the choice, but I think it would be very serviceable. I, I was it was kind of hard for me on this one, and I like Allison Brie. I definitely, I, I really do like Allison Brie. Um, because I was I was thinking, wasn't her? Wasn't she? Dax was the first non-binary Star Trek character before Discovery. Yeah, Jax had a really interesting gender thing because the whole point of Jax is that ja uh, Dax is like if the power all for one was a person. Like, Dax is at once the genders of everything that Dax has ever been. So, Dax was more gender fluid than non binary. Mm -hmm. But yes, ja Dax, Dax existed. I always like Jadzia Dax. I always want to call her Jax. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jadzia Dax, or Dax, I guess I should say, the Dax symbiote exists, like, outside of the gender spectrum. But, like, the biological sex that Jadzia Dax, like, physically had was a f human female. That's what she was, but 
So it's weird. Gender, yeah, you got to have a lot of really fun gender conversations with Dax, and that's what's cool about Dax. Because I was gonna look for, I was gonna like, there was a couple of um, trans um, actresses I was thinking about. Um, I was thinking of um, non-binary actresses, but then I was also remembering because then, you, which was we went we down the character bio for Dax, and I was like, someone who looks masculine but could still be feminine, um, Katie Sackoff. I like Katie Sackoff. She's she has that show on Netflix um, that she's doing. She she is super jacked right now. See, I always just think of Battlestar Galactica when I think Katie Sackhoff. Um, <laughs> when I think of Katie Sackhoff, oh my god, I don't want to yell for my brother. She did this movie with Harry Harold Perru, uh, one of the Baldwin brothers, and Seth uh, Seth Green, where she this evil domineering woman. And each of these people had a relationship with her, and she brought them there to make them relive the traumatic moments that they've been through because of her. And she, and the way how Katie Sackhoff played it was just very like holy. I was like, I've never seen the side of you. I know you for action roles. Like I think she can really play that complex, nine hundred year old person in this body type of character. Yeah. I would say one of the reasons I went with Allison Brie is because I think that the Dax character needs a so, like needs to be able to portray a certain like appearing younger and innocent than they actually are. And I feel like Katie Sackhoff is already so like comes off so strong and intimidating that you like Dax always takes people off guard and they're always expecting like this silly little pretty girl and then it's like, oh no, this is like a being with like centuries of wisdom inside of it. And so like I don't think that Katie Sackhoff is as capable of the element of surprise, but with saying that she's a very good actress, and so while it might not be more natural for her, she absolutely could pull it off. And I, and actually, this is a thought that just came up to me. I think Alison Brie would fit more, and this is also fitting for the transition. I think Alison Brie would fit more for Isri. And see, my Isri perfectly, I feel. I picked my Esri based on who I picked for Jadzia. So for Jadzia, I picked Allison Brie. And I think that Esri is Jadzia. But even, like, it to me, Esri was... I'm happy for Terrell Farrell for getting away because she was treated like shit. But in reality, Jadzia's character was in no position to be replaced. It was weird, awkward shoehorning in. And Esri's actress was like, if we make her kind of similar enough, maybe no one will notice it's a different character. And so I wanted someone younger, a little bit fresher, doubling down on the innocent doe-eyedness, but still being like, wait, I have to double take. Is that a different actress? Which season of DS9 is this? And so I went with Natalia Dyer for my Esri. What happened to not using more Stranger Kid actors? Right, that's the thing. I was like, well, I mean, I don't consider that a kid actor. She's already in her 20s. and So, like, I, I don't think that's a kid actor. I think that's an adult actor. But I did. I used the, I was like, oh, she's in Stranger Things. There we go. That's why I had to pick a different Cisco. I was like, you can't use... I had already picked her, and I had already picked Finn. And I was like, you got to stop, Kaylee. And I still have one more on here. <laughs> I picked Phoebe Waller-Bridge. This was a last-minute addition. I'm not going to lie. I don't think that there is a worse casting choice on your list so far. Like, she can play... She doesn't seem anywhere... Like, to me, Esri is all about, like, the big, doe-eyed, naive, like, optimistic... What's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, Almost naive? 
the naivete of the character. Yeah, and I don't think that Phoebe Waller-Bridges has ever played a character that strikes me as very naive. She also looks old. She's my age, so which means I'm old. Yeah, what we're talking about, like, this character is supposed to be in her 20s. And remember, we came in on the theme with my list. Everyone is older than what they're supposed to be. Uh, that's I don't know like some I don't think that works a lot of times with what the character is supposed to be and plus like Ezri's character is supposed to look like that's the it's like the Dax characters both of them are supposed to be the juxtaposition of like what is typically perceived like it's it's and they do a lot of fun feminist episodes yeah. that are designed on the like legally blonde L Woods nobody sees it coming because there's just a pretty cute little young girl and if you make them too old or too strong it makes those like it makes those storylines cheaper. That's why I picked Katie Sackhoff, because Katie Sackhoff is already forty. Phoebe Waller Bridge is five years younger. And Phoebe Waller Bridge is a writer, so you can it's like two and one. You have an actress who probably already knows about Star Trek. Because I remember her doing an interview, she was talking about Star Trek, Star Wars. So she knows she knows the material. So you get her to write an episode on her character of the transition from one Dax to the next. It, it could work. I just think that, like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible to make work. You can make anything work yeah. with talented people. So I feel like I'm insulting when I say, like, one, she's 35. This character is supposed to look like very young. Right. That's you can't write around the fact she's 35. That's just she's not a young-looking 35. She's a very I'm an adult woman. I look like a boss. Ezri's character is not supposed to look like a boss. Ezri's character is supposed to be the intern. So I don't know how you can write around the fact that she physically is supposed to look very unintimidating and is physically supposed to be very meek and is physically supposed to be very unassuming so that way they can take her, she can take you by surprise with her centuries of intellect and all, all of this lived experience and all of this power. And I don't know how you do that when you start from a position of already exuding so much wisdom, power, and authority. Like the things that make those actresses really impressive and cool is their giant I'm a boss bitch energy that they constantly exude and for Jadzia and for Ezri especially those are supposed to be surprises and I don't think there's anything surprising about Phoebe Waller-Bridges being like smart and wise I think that it would be more surprising to find out that she's doe-eyed and innocent but that's not the, that's not the reveal right so I, I just don't see how it's physically possible given like, how they physically look and their actual ages to pull off the intent of that character. Okay. Again, you could write totally different things, but they would then be totally different things. That's just... You could write a great story where Ezri Dax is 35. I'm not saying that you can't. I'm just saying it would be a very, very different story. Right. And at that point, just make new characters. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Pork. Who you got? So these next ones, like, kind of, these were not the hardest for me, but these ones where I was like, they're covered in so much prosthetics to the point where I'm like, does it really matter what they look like? And so for me, I focused more on like, we're going into Quark, and so we're gonna go Quark and Nog. And for me, their characters, their most important things are the ability to most of the time be comedic and have really strong comedic timing, but then be able to bust out serious shit when they have to have their like dramatic moments so that you can tell they've grown as characters okay. so for quark i was like who are some actors that 
I thought it would be really funny to try to get like a hot character for Quirk and then just like have a bunch of ugly makeup on him. For some reason, I found that funny. So it's like, he's a fairly conventionally attractive comedian. And then I went to the, for some reason, the cast of It's Always Sunny because that's a cast of people who have like a history of they they all contribute to writing on the show. They all have intense comedic chops. They've been through like, they'll do whatever the fuck. They're not afraid to go basically anywhere. And so I ended up on Glenn Howerton because he's already dabbled in doing other shows and he's been lead on other shows. So, you know, he has the charisma. He has the comedic like instinct that's what i'm thinking of he has a comedic instinct that i think quirk would need and i think it'd be really funny to take him and cover him in like a butt face and big ears <laughs> it's really funny to me i don't know i just want to see glenn howerton with like a butt hat okay i actually like that choice because let me say glenn howerton that was that meme that i posted in the group he was like what do you mean asshole his minimum cost of living has went up all the goddamn time. Love so. him. So, yeah, it is a little bit of a weirder pick, but I was like, oh, there's weirder choices. And, like, I kind of didn't want to have any... I didn't want to cast the, like, ugly prosthetics don't get to see their faces as, like, the only time, like, ethnic actors get cast is when they get covered blue or some shit so i was like i want to cover the people in prosthetics i want those ones to be like the white guys white guys get to be covered in prosthetics everyone else gets to be hot that's like that's my star trek i picked um i actually like your pick I, I, but i picked joe lou um lo truglio from Brooklyn nine nine oh shit that's a good one too like, yeah, that would be fun. I could, uh, you know, what would be great would be if he was his brother, if he was Quark's brother, Nog's dad, Rom. Oh, he would be a great Rom because Rom's such a cuck. And then he's <laughs> such a cuck. <laughs> but, oh, but he, I think you're re- you're in a really good place. He would he would be a very good Ferengi. I don't know. That he's is got the first. The eyes. Cuck yeah. is the first time that has ever been dropped on this podcast. Thank you. I like I usually use such a shit but I mean like literally like he just he, he's the kind of guy that's like my wife's having an affair and she doesn't even try to hide it because she knows I won't do anything I'm too meek like that's the old school cock fuck <laughs> so this is a hard transition but Nog no yes so yeah I didn't even put Ram on here which was such a like because he's a cuck. <laughs> I, I, I cucked him on this list. Well, I had the mo the problem is is that DS9 is such an ensemble cast mm. that I wanted to try to get them all to have the most like to have equal number of characters to recast. So on TNG I put like all of the most important and then I went through DS9 and Voyager put all the most important. And Voyager is such a, you know, capsule show. Yeah. <laughs> that they had so few characters and DS9 had so many more that I ended up being like, okay, I got to cut some from DS9 to at least make it match TNG. And so I ended up cutting Rom and I think somebody else. So if like if your favorite if you're listening and you're like, you didn't cover my favorite this or my favorite that, it's because Voyager had a small cast. That's <laughs> that's why. But for Nog, I was like, okay, we're back into the young cast pool and I, I already said like this is I, I got to the point with uh, Jake Sisko, I left him for last, and I had already tapped as many Stranger Things kids as I had felt appropriate. But that's because when it came to Nog, I really thought Gaten Matarazzo would be a really good choice. Um, that's the kid in Stranger Things who's missing his front teeth. 
Um, my front teeth got punched out when I was in kindergarten, so I didn't have my two front teeth for a very long time. So I always really related to this kid. Wow. Uh, yeah, I picked a fight. Um, I don't know. He he's always he is the most comedic. Like he has the the best comedic timing, and you know he has such a good expressive like big mouth that I think the rest of his face being covered in prosthetics, especially because his eyes are usually like squinted when he's smiling, you wouldn't even miss him. Put all the prosthetics, you wouldn't miss anything. He he emotes with his cute little mouth, and he's got great comedic timing. So I thought it'd be a good nog. We thought of nog two different two differently. I went with Karen Sony. Who played the um, cab driver from Deadpool? Oh wow! That is yeah, very different ways. And once again, all of your characters are like you have the reunion show. I was doing like a, a like a remaster, like a relaunch where you started episode one, and you're like, no, we're gonna do Star Trek, but we're gonna start it, you know, ten years in the future. <laughs> so, this have been very different lists. Yeah. I'm just saying. All right, Ducat, who you have? Okay. So, so Ducat was hard. Ducat was hard because I was like, it has to be somebody who can take a lot of prosthetics. Um, and the most important part of Ducat is just like, he has a very intimidating aura. You know, like there's just something like, he's got like that strong, like almost bodyguard energy. Um, so I thought about it for a while and then I was like, and this is my dumbass. I was like, he's a little old. I'm worried that I went too old for this. But there's an actor that whenever I think of him, I get like shivers and he hasn't been me too'd. Um, all the other ones have been me too'd. So I'm like a little worried. But whenever I think of Crispin Glover, oh. I'm just, he is so good at being unnerving and menacing. But then he's also done really friendly fun well. So like you can get that full range of Ducat being a douche and then slowly becoming a good guy. And for some reason, when I think of Ducat, I think of his, like, really strong, sharp nose. And Crispin Glover has that as well. And he's got the really strong, like, pronounced cheekbones that I think would work well with the rest of that prosthetics and, like, the headpiece area. And he's weird as shit, and he's down for weird stuff, so he wouldn't mind. You have to get a good director to rain Crispin Glover. <gasps> yeah, it's, it's a, that's like I said, it's, it's a controversial pick, to say the least. Because Crispin Glover is very eccentric, but... I think he could. It'd be kind of cool to see him in this. He's never quite been in Ducat. He's usually like a lackey. So it'd be kind of cool to see him as like a Boba Fett. I went uh, differently. I got Luke Evans. That is so different, but also so right. Like that's one of those ones where like you went in a totally different way, but different in like the same spectrum of character. Like you, you picked a different part of the character and went crazy with it. And I like it. Like he, uh, Luke Evans can play that evil. Like he has done a couple of movies where he's the villain. And he, yeah. he could be that diplomatic villain. And also seeing him in um, the alienness, like, I was like, oh, he can definitely do it. No, that's a very good choice. And very he, good choice. And he already has that built, so you don't need to put a prosthetic body um, muscle suit on him. Luke Evans is already built. Yeah, that was my one. Because I was like, Christopher Glover's a little thin, but so much of Ducat is thin except for the body that I was like, I don't know. But yeah, Luke Evans is a very good choice. And something side change, I did not know he was gay. Oh, well, there you go. Learn something new every day. Because um, I guess someone was talking shit about, like, why are they making Gaston gay? Because he's like, because the actor is gay. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, mic drop. <laughs> yeah, Luke Evans is a little more, like, 
I guess low key it's a word for it, but he just he doesn't talk about his anything much. So that's just another thing he doesn't talk about much. But yeah, he started to do that now, and it's actually kind of good. Like give like yeah. But I was like, but I picked. I was like, get someone who's uninsulated. Like, he done roles where oh he's obviously the villain, but then he's done roles where it's like, is he the villain? And then it turns out he's not. So that's why I always look at Dukat. Like he was always, like he was obviously the villain, but but when it's always but between. But sometimes he wasn't, and yeah. then like sometimes he was like not quite. Yeah. Until you get to that. Definitely that finale. that fun antihero role. Yep. Um, our choices for Brian, for the Brian's and Worf, just carries over on. Yeah, yeah, it's on the list. I, I had them because I was like, it felt weird not having like Worf on a list or like you know Miles O'Brien on a list of DS9 characters, but we already cast them, so there's there's overlaps. Yeah, I think I also had Q on the DS9 list, and then I removed him because I was like, okay, I don't I don't need to list all the same crossovers. But now this one was hard. We're going on to Voyager. Well, so we're gonna do our episode. That was hard because I only remember the episode where Chikaito, not Chakote, first came on. No, the our DS Nine episode. Oh, the episode. Okay, I already did the episode. I already did DS Nine. It was the what is that? Where Cisco finally becomes captain. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Sorry. Oh, okay. I guess we're just not going to do mine. Fuck me. No, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you already talked about yours. I'm sorry. Going on a Voyager. No, no, no so... No, no, no. We're going back with, with you, for if, your episode. Well, the problem is, if it wasn't, like, a super secret, I kind of love Dax. Like, Jabsy Dax, um, in particular. Esri Dax could never quite win me over, but I try to keep an open mind. Um, so, I would do ja- I would do uh, Dax, the episode where Jadzia Dax gets taken to Curzon because she... Uh, well, Jadzia gets taken onto Curzon's planet because she's a She's accused of a crime that one of Dax's other previous hosts might have committed. So it's like if Dax is a blend of all of these people and one of these people committed a crime, can the current host of Dax be charged with that crime? And so it was another really cool incidence of like personhood and what makes consciousness and, you know, the idea of like our trill symbiotes, like new people once they merge with the host. Or are they the same? And it's just—it's another cool. I like the episodes of Star Trek that get really philosophy-heavy and like just the concept of humanity and like Star Trek does a really good job dealing with substrate chauvinism, the struggle that we have to consider anything that doesn't look exactly like us as as sentient as us. Like you know, we we anything that doesn't have our same substrate physicality we just like we chauvinistically are like oh well that's a lesser thing um and so because trills look like little slugs it's like okay well is that a person or is that just like a little thing you add to a person and once you add it to a new person does that become a a third thing and it's kind of like a theseus's ship episode so it's it's really fun um and i just i like these they're neat and they you know episodes like this have a lot of characters in them. I know this, so far you're going straight for diplomacy and the like the essence of what what it means to be human I like that I like it to me that's the most sci-fi like when sci-fi really spends a lot of its time discussing like how do you discuss humanity when you stop discussing humans 
Like, the word humanity itself is a problem because, like, Jadzia Dax isn't human. And we equate so hard morality with humanness to where the word humanity has the word human in it that I love the episodes where it's like, okay, well, what happens when we start dealing with other humans that have humanity? But we don't have a word for that. Like, in English, what's the word for that? I don't know. Right? Like you can't you can't separate humans from humanity, and that's not that's a linguistic barrier and a barrier of imagination, not a real barrier. And that's the thing that sci-fi I think tackles a lot with like AI issues and issues of dealing with you know sentient life forms that look different from us. And so I think those are the most fun sci-fi conversations. Otherwise, it's just like if it can be done somewhere that's not star trek it's not as fun like i like things that really embrace the fact like okay we're supposed to be in a post-scarcity utopian society what does the nitty-gritty of a utopian like society actually look like how utopian is this utopian society and this is a really good example of all of that yeah i'm, I'm going to the jj abrams route as always Right, and so that's my problem with the J.J. Abrams Star Treks is I like them, but to me, the J.J. Abrams Star Treks are like the MCU Marvel stuff. It's like, oh, cool, that's like the popcorn action movie version of the thing I like, but a lot of times I'd wish that big budgets were given to the more intellectual and cerebral aspects of the things I like or the more hard-hitting, like, systemic truths to power that the things I like speak to more than I do the, like, action set pieces. Yeah, but I'd also remember the episode... I keep forgetting the name of um, Tasha Yar's episode that she died in, but Picard did use diplomacy and talk with the entity, mm-hmm. letting go Deanna and uh, the crewmen. But because I- Picard is like the diplomacy captain uh, to juxtapose against Kirk being the punchy captain. Yep, and letting pe- and then at the end of that episode, letting people know like, do not come to this planet. There's a sentient being that will kill you. So it's like I, because that one would be, it would only be more actiony when it comes towards dealing with that creature for Tasha. But that's just thinking, but it's, it'll be a mixture of diplomacy and action. As as well, we talked about for D Space Nine for my episode, it would be a mix of action, but it's still espionage though. You 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 utilizing all the characters. oh yeah, that's right. I was like, oh, it's cool. Like even your TNG one where it's like, oh, you're wanting more of like a not just like. More like like almost like a Manchurian candidate. I was gonna say not even just like a you know stuffy West Wing political thriller or whatever the fuck, but like one of those like action political thrillers like Twenty Four in space. Yes. You know I mean, yeah, I feel that. And then and then she dies. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah no, I feel that. Um, We're also moving into my favorite. Like I I used to be a huge DS Nine fan, and I think the older I get, the more I become a, a bigger Voyager fan. So I'm I'm feeling very strongly as we move into the final one. So just so you're aware. Um, Voyager, I'm I'm a make a reveal. I only seen two seasons, so I can't, I don't. Really oh, you're. So, I feel bad. Like I'm excited for you because that means that you get to experience so much good stuff for the first time. Yeah. Um, and the standout like I, when I accidentally moved on and I let you explain your episode. The only thing that stood out to me was when Chakotay. I'm no Yeah, check out that. Okay, check out that. When he came, his episode is like it was a long transition before he finally got to put on the Starfleet uniform and got that position. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I remember that episode where he was like the not the antagonist, but he was like forced to work with Janeway. Yeah, that was what was really cool is that like he was like a rebel. 
that was attacking them essentially for very valid reasons uh and then he was like okay well now we have to work together my rebels versus your like corporate bullshit um that's cool um so i picked two actors for both these roles that they have worked together before and they're i think age appropriate for these roles i believe you when i hear it for captain janeway jessica chastain oh that's good for chakotay oscar isaac Okay, that's really funny because I have Oscar Isaac on my list somewhere else. The, yeah, the reason that's amazing. Yes, it's very important to me that Oscar Isaac be in Voyager, and I'm glad that you agree. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he he can play like you can pick any. He belongs movie. in space. He's a space cowboy. It's where he belongs. He should be the new cowboy Bebop. He's just the space cowboy. Like you can pick Poe. He exudes what the portion of of Chakotay is if you pick um hell ex machina just that little bit of like antagonism within him as well or if you want to go even though we haven't seen it yet Dune he's gonna kill it he's gonna kill it because he gets to be a space cowboy you you want someone you want you want you want eye candy for everybody Oscar Isaac is that everybody loves Oscar Isaac I can't say his name but I love him Uh, I didn't pick either of those people but I just Catherine Janeway was very hard because Janeway is such an important just feminist icon um but Jessica Chastain's good surprisingly young my first thought was like oh is she a little young and then I was like no she's perfectly she's right there yeah and the reason why I picked those two because the most violent year where Oscar Isaac was trying to be more diplomatic to the whole movie, but she was like, no, fuck this. We're killing people who's in our way. So I was like, and then Jessica Chastain has done those roles. So like Molly's Game. Um, she has this um, eight, um, this spy movie that's coming out um, later this year. Um, with um, Oh, yeah, she can do whatever she wants. She's great. Like She was uh, super charming in... Uh, God damn it. All of the names escape she's super charming yeah. so i was <laughs> like say that. and they both work very well together and you do fun you know clone episodes whenever bryce dallas howard is free <laughs> <laughs> they look just the same it's, I, I always have to be careful that i'm not saying a movie that one was in when the other was in it um but oh it uh, is what i was trying to think of um oh yeah she was great in it Right, this was like she could do those charming comedic moments really well, but then things got you know scary. She could do all of the action, and she worked really well with all of the green screen. Because that's like the one of the things I'm talking about with like start characters I'm casting. It's like have they worked like on these productions? Either like um, one of the reasons I liked Miles O'Brien as uh, Colin Morgan is because he worked in Mar- he worked on Merlin for five seasons, which is a super fantasy setting. And then he worked on a super sci-fi setting. So he has experience working with, like, you know, green screens and wacky technology and, like, doing all that stuff. Um, so that's important to think about. And they definitely have that. Uh, my Catherine Janeway, I went in a very, very different direction with. I, for once, we've, we've flipped here, which I think is hysterical. Um, I erred on the side of a little bit older because Janeway always struck me as, like, what I loved so much about Janeway and, and what I like the older I get and the more I go back to Voyager is how Janeway 
is distinctly older than most women you see on TV. Mm-hmm. Like, even women that are cast as, like, you know, the lead, it's the lead of, like, the Mary Tyler Moore show, and she's fucking 25. Like, it's, it's very rare that you see a woman who, like, um, Kate Mulgrew was almost 40 when Voyager went live. Yeah. So she started as a, like, they gave a woman essentially in her 40s the lead of a major sci-fi show in the 90s that was major and so i really love like capturing the essence of a woman who like is is like hollywood mom age but she doesn't give a fuck and like gets to do the same role that guys her age get to do um and so i wanted somebody that could do very elegant and almost like she has a lot of katherine hepburn for me when she like throws her hair up in that big bun and she's just like stern thin-lipped um so i went with sandra oh She's great on TV. She can do long-running series. And you have to worry about her moving on to another fucking project. Bless her heart with yeah. Grey's Anatomy. Um, but she's very refined. She's elegant. She can do the, like, I am your captain and you will respect my authority because she's been a doctor for this many years. Uh, but she can also be very soft and fun and playful. And I originally know Sandra O oh from a sports comedy called Arliss that used to air on Comedy Central late at night all the time. Um, and it was, it was a comedy where she played like the boss of this like sports journalist. But so I originally knew her from comedic roles. So she has a really wide range, and I think that she would fit the the kind of vibe and aura of Janeway really well. So that's my Janeway pick. Okay. Uh, for Chakotay, I actually this is the first like most of them I didn't specifically like be like I want a person of this ethnicity because it's weird to me and it makes me feel gross as a white person. But for Chakotay, I specifically was like. It's very important to me that a character like Chakotay, who was huge for being Native American representation on TV, stay represented by, like, a Native American. So I went out of my way, like, looking for roles that were played by, like, really good roles that were not Lou Diamond Phillips. You know, it's always the same three actors. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And so, finally, I was thinking, and there was a character on Westworld who was also Warpath in X-Men First Class. And most impressively, he was cast in The Magnificent Seven, if you've seen that. So that right there is range, right there. Um, and that's Martin Sandsmeyer. He's a native uh, from a Native Alaskan tribe that I'm afraid to pronounce. That makes me feel bad. But he just has so much Chakotay energy. Like, just very, very, like, cool as fuck and very like capable of being dramatic and the serious like the alarms are blaring and auction's gonna um, dissolve in eight seconds and everyone's covered in horny plague and what's gonna happen he's calm and cool and you know all of the things that make Chakotay an interesting character I've just like watched another clip from the Magnuson 7 and I was like yeah no this is, I'm, I'm feeling it really hard and so I, I looked through a couple of actors, and then I, I just really vied with Martin Sansmeyer for the role. So that's my pick. Um, correct. I also, he, uh, and this, uh-huh. uh, Martin Sansmeyer played Thunderbird. He is. Oh, oh Thunderbird. Sorry, Bobo, I didn't fuck that up. Um, as an X-Men fan. I'm sorry, I had the correct. As an that's X-Men. okay. No, you're good. I'm not, so that's important. Um, Bobo um, Stewart played Warpath. What's really important for me is I have to look into this more. One of my favorite books is uh, The Things They Carried by Tim Mm O'Brien. And there's been a movie in the works for a while. And when I was looking at him, there was art. There was there were articles indicating he might have been cast 
as the Native American soldier in the things they carried in the movie adaptation that might actually fucking happen. And so that would be really cool. I would love to see an adaptation of that book. So just a little shout out. He might actually be in one of my favorite books cool. adaptations. So and, we'll see. And I, I, and I do, as much as I don't like Gifted that they was in, I felt he brought Warpath to life. And it is great to see someone who is Bubble Bubble Stewart is Native American people just love them. Why? Just the weird ass name. Yes, but so it's in that's a nickname. Uh, um, yeah. So if that wasn't obvious. Yeah. That's, a, that's a nickname. But uh, um, Martin, Martin, I was like, this dude brought Thunderbird to life. Yeah, and I actually was looking at him too. That's because that's why I I know that that's a nickname. Is I was looking at him, but. His ancestry is his mom is a bunch of different kinds of white and his black his dad is like part this part that part this and part Blackfoot. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm sorry. His his mother is Japanese, Chinese, Korean and his father is Russian, Scottish and Blackfoot. And I was like damn. I uh, yeah, it, it just I I felt weird cuz again this one I was like it's really important to me that's just somebody who is like really just culturally raised like I wanted somebody who could bring that type of knowledge to the role because I feel like it was really important for Chakotay's essence to have that type of depth. Mm-hmm. Depth, and so I actually picked Martin over him because I was looking at him. I was like, "Oh, it looks like he was just kind of not really raised with any of that sort of ancestry, but is now getting cast in those types of roles." Whereas Martin Sandsmere had actually lived in Alaska in a tribe, and so I was like, uh, "He was raised in uh, Yakutat." And so I was like, that's really cool. And I thought that was cooler. So it, to me, brought more, uh, like, he, he prides himself on bringing advocacy to Alaskan Native heritage. And so I was like, I wanted more of an advocate. You know, like, if, if it's a really important trans role, all things being equal is cool, but I'd rather have, like, a, a trans advocate in that role, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so that's why that was the one time with Chakotay I really went out of my way to be like, I wanted somebody who, like, really advocates and pushes for, like, we have native representation on TV because that's what Chakotay did and what really, I was like, that's so badass. Um, So I got weird with that one. I spent too much time researching. I actually like your pick now. Sorry, Oscar. Thank you. (laughs) He's super hot. If you guys don't know what he looks like, you should, one, he looks creepily like Robert Beltran. Creepily. Um, (laughs) Like, they look very similar. Uh, But he's just, he's just like that cut jaw. Like, he's just, he's a beautiful man. Um, Okay. Belena. Torres. Yeah, so Belena Torres was a fun one where it's weird. Whenever I see 90s Belena Torres, it looks like Alyssa Milano. The actress is Roxanne Dawson. But I always think the Belena Torres is played by Alyssa Milano and I have to do a double kid take. I don't know if anyone else has ever had that thought, I, but it's all I think about. I never had that thought until you said it and I'm looking. Do you see it? Do you see, see it? It's I Alyssa it. Milano. So I wanted to cast Alyssa Milano, but again, that would be, just be like such a random, like you could just cast Roxanne Dawson if you don't care about age. You know I mean, that's why like I worked really hard to like cast younger because if I was casting close enough to the real actor's age, I felt bad not just casting that actor. <laughs> but for Belena Torres, I was like, okay, cool. Belena Torres is that strong, commanding anger bubbling just below the surface and you know even when they're being like cool and in charge that it's there and you're a little afraid and that's why you respect them and to me that's stephanie beatrice so yeah she's been doing that that shtick on brooklyn 99 and it's been working really well for her but she's done a lot of other comedic roles 
where she did completely like completely different archetypes. So I know she has the depth for it. And again, I, I favor comedic talent when it comes to anything Star Trek. Um, but when it comes to like episodes where like she's dealt with like coming out as bi and stuff like that, Stephanie's got the goods for it, and I think that she could really rock that forehead piece. I am completely in love with Stephanie Patrice. I love the character Rosa. I sometimes sing along with um, Craig Robinson when he sings Rosa, beautiful Rosa. I mean, she, she's awesome. Um, Sir? Mm, I, I feel bad now because I picked Christian Serranos for Belena. It would have been too obvious if I would have picked um, Stephanie Patrice. I went with Christian Serranos. I did think it was a little on the nose, but um, whenever I hear Christian Serranos, I think of Christian Siriano, mm-hmm. who, if you don't know, is a fashion designer that won like season four or five of Project Runway. I used to watch a lot of Project Runway, um, and then became like a really cool fashion designer that like um, there was a girl who couldn't get any designers to make her an Oscar dress because she was plus size and uh, Christian Siano was like fuck that and now he makes all of her- oh Leslie Jones he yeah. makes all of Leslie Jones outfits and so he's just like he's just like a really cool dude that's always in the news for good reasons and so at first I read that I was like Christian Siano does he act <laughs> <laughs> no um she's in the but then wa- I was over, she's the new Selena isn't she yeah and she's in the yeah wa- and she's still she's still cast in The Walking Dead Somebody watches The Walking Dead, and it's not me, but it's got to be you. I stopped. That's like your third Walking Dead reference this list. But the thing is, though, I went. The reason I went, I, when I remember, I remember Belina Torres, and I was like, get someone who can do action, but who can be funny. And yep. I, and yep. I thought of Christian Serrano's, and uh, the reason why I thought of her because one, she has a great sense of humor. She's very well aware. She has a masculine name. So when you see the name, you assume, oh, this is like no, she's all woman. So she's a woman. She will tell you that. I mean, I proved it. You're you're not wrong. I, I literally proved it. And um, on top of that, um, it's just that Christian Serrano's been famous since I was like 16. So it's like it's not my fault. Yeah. And then as soon as I said the name, Christian was like, wait a minute, was she in Ned Declassified? Yes, she was. Oh shit! Was she the chick best friend love interest in Ned Declassified? Yeah. Oh, okay, yes. Oh my god, that's the girl that plays Selena? Oh, fuck. I didn't know that. Yeah. Nendy Classified was a little post-me watching Nickelodeon. Like, I was a little too old for it. Um, but I was not too old to constantly be like, oh, you have long, dark hair. You look like the girl from Nendy Declassified. It's <laughs> like, I'm, like, see-through white. I'm just not... No, not every dark-haired girl looks the same. It's not even... What? So you was... Mo- very real. So you was Moe's... In the group, then uh, it's bad, and I was way too old for that version of Nickelodeon. Like I still remember, Drake was still part of Degrassi. Was watching Degrassi, so I only watched Degrassi when I would go to my great grandparents' house because they lived in the boonies and had satellite only, which means they had noggin, and I got to watch Daria. But Degrassi came on before Daria. And so, because I could only watch Degrassi over winter breaks, mm-hmm. I never watched a lot of it. And I never got to the point where Jimmy is paralyzed. So when Drake became famous, 
everyone spoiled Degrassi for me because oh. everyone was like, oh my God, Wheelchair Jimmy's famous. And I was like, what do you mean, Wheelchair Jimmy? Ooh, that is just wrong. I had no idea. I never got that far. So I was like, Jimmy gets paralyzed? There's a school shit. It blew my fucking mind. So thanks, Drake. You ruined Degrassi for me. <laughs> so yeah. Because I remember watching that they had like because I always used to go to my great grandparents over the winter break. So it's been like New Year's there mm -hmm. and they would air the Degrassi specials where the cast of Degrassi would stay up till New Year's. So I watched Dre like Aubrey play around with these little white Canadian girls for New Year's with like streamers and shit for years before he became a super cool rapper. It was very jarring. It's like, no, nah, that kid's a loser. I saw him. I saw how he spent his New Year's. <laughs> oh, that is... <laughs> let's just air out, Drake. This is, for the rest of this episode, let's right. air out. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's all coming out. Oh, man. So, Christian Serrano's for me. Yes. Uh, but I don't know her enough to say yes or no, but I will say superficially, passes the smell test. But the, the other half is like... Uh, I'm sorry, Christian. I, I'm, I'm typing you out. I'm sorry, Stephanie Patrice. I worked really hard on this. I'm telling you, I put a lot. Of, I put too much thought into every single one. Not every single one. Most of these. Which so the next one, I would like who you cast, but I would also like your one sentence thoughts on the character as a whole, and that is Kess. Throwaway character. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, my my one sentence would have been one word, and it's meh. And seen the trailer for season three of uh, Stranger Things. This is another Stranger Things actor. Maya Hawk. I saw that. I just looked at that on your list and I was like, Maya Hawk. I'm not mad at it, but be again, because it's Cass, I'm like, man, now I want Maya Hawk to be like Esri Dax. Here's the thing. Oh. I was like, I did not find her character interesting. And I was really, I stopped watching Stranger Things when I got spoiled on the fact that Spoilers to the ending of Stranger Things season three. Out of mind. So the yeah the, the entire season it's like Maya Hawks the new love interest for our super cool you know Zaddy, and that's cute and charming and they're like they're doing the like locked in an elevator romance. I I read a lot of fiction press as a teenager. I've seen this play out, and then at the end of the season it's like by the way, I'm a lesbian, and it's like a punchline that like oh zinger like. Doo -doo 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 -doo. maybe next season you'll find somebody who's not gay and it was just like you're using her sexuality as like a gotcha moment what? twist punchline where it's like they can't be together why because she's gay and it's like oh god okay chasing amy was like 20 years ago and now we understand that that movie is kind of gross like what are you doing it just really grossed me out and now i just can't i i I watched the first two seasons and then I was I started watching the first episode of season three and then I got spoiled and I was like oh well never mind yeah I was like I was watching my brother um, watching the episode. somebody shared like a clip of the because yeah. it literally is it's played as like a punch like somebody shared a clip and I was like oh what's this clip and my dumbass watched it and I was like oh yeah my brother showed, okay. me, showed me the scene and I was like I do not like her like I, don't. I really like Maya Hawk though. Yeah, she, like the actress herself, she seems super cool and yeah. cute. She looks like somebody who would work at the Hot Topic by my house at the mall when I was in high school. Yeah. Like, she seemed very cool. She looks just like her pops, Ethan Hawk though. It's weird. I see. I see so much. Uh, I see so much Uma Thurman in her. Like when I was watching the scene um, that my brother was watching, I was like, wow. I was like, she looked like Uma Thurman. He's like, because that's Uma Thurman's daughter. I was like, what? 
Yeah. But then, See, to me, it's weird. Like, if you know Courtney Love's daughter, Frances Bean Cobain. Uh, Frances Bean Cobain. Oh yeah, I definitely do. Frances Bean to me has the exact same thing as Maya Hawk. Where if you have Maya Hawk next to Uma Thurman, you're like, that's Uma Thurman with brown hair. Just like Frances Bean Cobain looks just like her dad with brown hair. And then you put her next to, you know, then you put her next to the other one and it's like, oh, wait, no, that, that looks exactly like the other. How do you look exactly like both parents at the same time? Yeah. John Lennon or John Legend, John Legend and uh, Chrissy Teigen's kids. Mm-hmm. If you put a picture of their kids next to one, it's like, oh, that's the clone of their dad. And then you put their picture next to Chrissy and you're like, oh, that's a clone of the mom. How? How is it possible? I don't know. I have that. I have that effect on some. My brothers were like, "Man, you look like mom." Like what? And then others. No, it's exactly like, like that. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it's right. creepy. It's very weird. It's like a seeing. It's like a weird puzzle. Like those like magic eye puzzles. Yeah. It's jarring. That's how. Yeah. She's exactly like that. She looks exactly like both of her parents who don't look anything alike, and somehow it makes sense. Okay, so Maya Hawk was mine. What was yours? I'm not mad at that casting, and I feel like my casting has the same energy. I just really liked, like, if you look at the pictures I have in the doc, you'll see, I think, I think they look creepily alike again. And so sometimes when I have a casting where I'm like, well, these actors look jarringly similar, but they're 40 years apart in age, I got to go with it. So I thought it would be fun to carry, like, to make her like a female Sean Bean where she gets cast in roles and then like unceremoniously doesn't make it to the end of the series. Uh, So I thought Natalie Dormer would be great. So if there's anybody who can make Kess interesting and like do something with such a throwaway mech character and get her to be more of a fan favorite so people would care when she died, it would be Natalie Dormer. I like that choice. And they look so much alike. Like they have that like almost looks like they're from another planet level of like blonde hair, blue eyed pretty. Like they look like little fairies but made human. It's like that ethereal vibe. Because, like, Kess is like, oh, I believe you're from another planet. You're, like, humanoid, but a little too pretty to be human. And that's Natalie Dormer. I like it. <laughs> that's my genius but logic. But Natalie Dormer has that sultry, like, 1950s actress. Right? And so, like, Kess always had, like, the only thing she kind of had going for her was she was a little bit of, like, a naive sex kitten. And that was kind of the Marjorie Tyrrell brand, <laughs> you know? So there was just there was a lot of weird overlap, I felt, with their vibes. But like better. I feel like Natalie Dormer can make it better. Looking at your um, going on to the next to the list. Which makes my Neelix really funny. Yeah. So my Neelix was a throwaway. I it's a punchline. I just thought it'd be re- it was my I was like, who could I imagine like add some prosthetics and just be like a funny fat guy? And then I was like, and also fuck Natalie Dormer. And I went with Zach Galifianakis. He's great. He's he's got full fucking range. He's charming. And you'd believe that even though he looks like, you know, that hairdo, though that weird face and nose, he's still getting Natalie Dormer action. That's why I was like, hmm. It's nuts. It's perfect. I love it. It's so funny to me. It's definitely 180 for mine because I picked um, Taslin Jaffe. That's not how I thought you pronounced that. Talison? I, I can't pronounce the, the, the No, I don't. You you did perfect. I would not have um, been able to do anything with that. And you just said it so smooth. I was like, damn, okay, that's how you say that. I was all in. Uh, I have no idea who that is. He's on Critical Role. Oh, okay. I've never watched that. He's a voice actor um, and a former child actor. He was in Mr. Mom <laughs> as one of the kids. 
Michael Keaton's kids. Oh God, that's funny. Former child actor, now voice, now turned voice actor, um, who's in the same campaign with uh, <clears throat> Ashley Johnson, uh, who's um, the voice of Ellie. Mm-hmm. He's um, he he's weird looking. So I went when I when I saw Neelix, I was like, let's get someone who looks weird already. And I feel that. Yeah. See, I wanted somebody who was more like uh, rugged. I don't know. I don't think Neelix is fat. I think husky is, I think is the best word. Like somebody who's got like a little meat to him. But that's my big characteristic for Neelix. But Zach Galifianakis has lost weight though. Well, yeah, but he's still got that like you know that round face. Yeah. You know, like a little, like somebody that you think that the type of hug they would give is a bear hug. Okay. You know what I mean? That's like a vibe. Yeah. Like like Greg Miller two years ago. Greg was never really fat, but he always kind of had that little bit more of like chubby cheek because he got a little extra weight to him. Yeah. That kind of vibe. And he looks at them good chubby cheeks. I don't know. I like chubby cheeks. Husky. <laughs> a, little, <laughs> a little husky, you know? I just went straight. Right. I went straight for Alien. <laughs> okay, now tell me if I'm wrong on this. As we move on to our next one, to me, Tom Paris is essentially a parody character, and is just like is almost like another William T. Riker level parody, where it's like that subversive, like generic white action star, handsome guy, like Zap Brannigan, like. It's good guys that Brannigan to me is always been Tom Paris's vibe. Is that the vibe you're picking up? No, when I looked at, because I totally forgot about this character. Okay, that's the thing. He's very forget because he's just like he's so forgettable white guy. And that's why I truly cast because as soon as I when I went through the Walking Dead cast and I was like, oh, that was her name, Christian Serrano's. I remembered Eugene. And I remember how I hated that guy, how bland he was. Not the actor. I, th- the, I think the person who's playing the character looks, he's, he's, he's a cool dude, but he looks bland. He just like, just, eh, you're, you're here, you're here. Josh McDermott, I picked <laughs> for Tom Paris. He I'm just, sorry, Josh McDermott. I know you're listening to this right now. He didn't mean it. I'm he did great. So, I'm sorry. You did your best. You I, did your best what they gave you. I don't like Eugene in the comic, and I don't like Eugene now he's been brought to life. I'm pretty sure, I hope, Josh McDermott, you've done other things than The Walking Dead, because, I mean, for the love of God, I want to I want to implant myself in The Walking Dead, shank you, and just leave you for the horde of zombies. Damn, that's strong. Strong opinion. Does, I've only watched the first episode of The Walking Dead, and he was not in it, if I recall correctly. It was um, Andrew Lincoln. I originally was going to pick Andrew Lincoln, because I feel... If you're going to have Tom Paris and you want him to be rememberable, get Andrew Lincoln. And see, here's my... I have a lot of layers that go into my Tom Paris pick. Okay. So first, my Tom Paris pick hinges on my Tuvok pick. I picked my Tuvok first, and then that made my Tom Paris pick important. Two, I wanted, in the same vein as Natalie Dormer redeeming Kess into something a little bit more interesting and fun and somebody who's capable in injecting depth into something depthless I wanted that I was like let me get a Tom Paris 2.0 let me get someone who's not just the Zap Brannigan generic Ken doll you know corporate stoogie Martin Freeman and Black Panther whatever character you forget they're there you can write them out of the show and you wouldn't even miss them I want them to be missable I want them to have that, like, 
action because I like the like in like the action hero and like Zap Brannigan could be cool if he wasn't a douche. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's the thing. I wanted like cool Zap Brannigan. And who is a cool space cowboy? I don't know. Maybe Oscar Isaac. Maybe absolutely Oscar Isaac could play the like I'm incredibly handsome, striking woman's like, like ladies man, but then also make him cool and capable of depth and awesome. I'm gonna skip around here because I'm gonna go right into Tuvok, Chicote, and uh, Janeway style. But for Tuvok. It was really important to me that John Boyega got redeemed with like the Star Wars fandom just shit on him and he got written out and it was bullshit. And I wanted the Star Trek fandom to redeem him and give him the opportunity to be the the darling child of a sci-fi franchise. And I thought he could have a ton of fun with Tuvok. So I really wanted John Boyega to be Tuvok. And if I was going to have John Boyega in the Star Trek universe, I wanted him to be able to have, I wanted to have what Star Wars promised us. And that was an awesome budget comedy of John Boyega and Oscar Isaac as a space cowboy and his straight man John Boyega boyfriend just in the galaxy just doing whatever having a great time and so I want that in Star Trek with Oscar Isaac as Tom Paris redeeming that character and giving him a use and that use is to be the boyfriend of Tuvok John Boyega who's going to be awesome because I think Tuvok never really got the breakout that he could have gotten either and I think John Boyega is exactly the type of guy to do it and we all should thank him when he does and show him the love that he didn't fucking get in Star Trek or Star Wars and teach sci-fi fans how to behave that's what I think I think they're a match made in, in sci-fi heaven, and I want them in my space genre. And I needed to put Oscar Isaac somewhere, and I thought redeeming Tom Paris was a pretty good spot for it. Okay. So it's kind of forced in there a little bit, but that's that's why I have to have Oscar <laughs> Isaac. I like your choice. I like John Boyega. But what about Lakeith Stanfield? I also like that. Do not get me. This was one that had a bunch of options. I thought really hard about putting Lakeith Stanfield somewhere on here. I was like, I don't want to just start pulling a bunch of Atlanta actors the way I keep pulling multiple actors from the same project because I get onto like mind tangents. But yeah, Lakeith Stanfield can be whatever he wants. He wants to be seven of nine. He's got the role, you know, (laughs) he's great. Not mad at Lakeith Stanfield. But again, I just I want the redemption for John Boyega to get that love of a fan base because he gave it his all and he deserved it. And so, like, Star Trek and Star Wars always have that kind of comparison stuff. And I think it would be a beautiful real-life redemption story to, like, come into Star Trek as Tuvok and fucking kill it. And everyone love him. And then everyone could love Vulcans again. And it could all be super cool. Okay. So I just, I have a whole fantasy about John Boyega in this. So it's, it's, there's a lot of layers happening with these characters. That's why I had to link them. But... So I'm yeah. <laughs> going to swap out um, Lakeith for John Boyega. It's just, it, I, we, we deserve it. We deserve to see them having fun romping around in space. We were promised. Yes. We were promised. And we never got it. We never got it. Now, it's not right. the doctor. The doctor? The, was he, was, he was still a hologram by this point? Yeah, he's a hologram. Okay, just making sure. Cause I, re- I was watching um, was it Insurrection? Not Insurrection. When he was dealing with um, going back in time, and he was dealing with the um, the Borg. X-ray. Love the Borg. It was, sta- it was Star Trek Insurrection, right? Yes, that's one of the twelve Borg movies. 
Alright, so, because I, I remember um, Robert Ricardo in that, <laughs> as that character. I think it was right around the time they was, was doing Voyager when Insurrection came out. But the person I thought of who can give you that Robert Bacarto-esque type of acting, Charlotte Copley. I love Charlotte Copley, so this makes me very happy. Um, he was in The A-Team, which I thought was an amazing movie and deserved sequels, and yes. Rampage Jackson was surprisingly good in. Yes. I don't know why there's not more of those movies. Yes. That should have been a You had Bradley fucking Cooper at his prime. You had Liam goddamn Neeson. Everyone in that movie was amazing. And what a lot of people don't know is that Charlotte Copley was obsessed with The A-Team as a child. And being in that role was literally his dream role. Like, a lot of people know that the 10th Doctor was a huge Doctor Who fan, and being a Doctor was, like, his dream role, and yeah. he got it. Charlotte Copley dreamed of having that role in the A-Team. He got it. The movie was amazing. It made money. No sequel. Why? I, I'll die mad about it. I know. And, and also, the voice of Varric was the villain who got football spiked by Rampage Jackson. Yes! Look at these Dragon Age crossovers today. I did not see this coming. I know, right? I love that. Okay. Now, see, my doctor, I went in a very different direction. I, I really like yours, but I think mine I have a pretty good case for. So hear me out. Okay. The most important part of the doctor, like when you're casting an actor for the doctor, and you're like, what is the most essential thing that this actor must have because it makes the doctor? You know, with like Deanna Troy, it's cleavage. With, you know, with Quark, it's the ability to wear prosthetics and a strong nose. You know, with the doctor, it's good forehead wrinkles. And when I think of a good furrowed brow in acting, when I think of a man that can act solely with his forehead and eyebrows, that's William Jackson Harper. That's Cheaty from The Good Place, for those that don't know. But don't this know. is a man who has acting, like, who has every different type of furrowed brow you need down to a science he does that like not quite human you know like methodical robot the doctor spock type thing very well um he's got great comedic timing and he's good at being on really intellectual shows which again i i love the star trek things that dabble in like you know morality and philosophy and he was on a very morality philosophy driven show for a long time that involved a lot of ability to both be deadpan and comedic and so i think he'd be a great choice for that like straight man that is the doctor okay I've he's got the wrinkles i've never seen but i've never seen a good place before i've never seen the good place either every gif i've seen i know exactly what's happening solely based off of this man's eyebrows I only know him from, um, if I remember correctly, he was in uh, Midsummer. Yes, that's right. I was going to say, the only time I've seen him act is in Midsummer, and he was great. And I have opinions on Midsummer, but this is not the show to talk about those opinions yet. And it's not, we're not talking about Midsummer. we're talking about him as an actor. Yes. And he was great in that movie. Like, he did, for a comedic actor, again, a comedic actor going in to a dramatic, tense horror movie, slayed it. You would never be like, oh, that's a comedy guy. You'd just be like, oh, that's like a dramatic actor guy. Yeah, and that's what, that was me. I thought he was just a dramatic actor. I do. I've, yeah, he's a comedic actor. He's got the chops. All right. Now, this one I think is hard. Seven of nine, because we was all stumbling earlier this month um, trying to figure out who should play Seven of Nine. This is probably one of the most important castings, too. 
like in terms of who's the most important in the cast when this is being announced to the world is like we're redoing star trek people are going to look to see who's the captain and the people are going to look to see who's seven of nine and for this one i pick betty gilpin from glow Alison Breeze co-star. She can do it. I have not watched Glow because I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> um, I don't... I don't doubt she... I'm looking at pictures of her now. Um, I don't doubt she can do it. Oh, she started the, that new grudge that came out that that was really bad last year. The hunt. She was in that, and she was also, no, and she she was also in that, but she was in the grudge. I didn't um, see the grudge. Yeah, there was a grudge that came out in 2020 that I am an idiot, and I was like, maybe it will be good, but she was also yeah, she was in that really. What an upsetting concept to make it. I don't know. I have a, thoughts about a, like. It makes me sad. Hillary Swank was in that. Hunt, I expect I just, I, nothing better from Emma Roberts, honestly, because she's an abuser. But that's what I, I just, yeah, I, I just named the movie The Hunt is the name of the movie you're thinking of. No, I'm looking at The Hunt. Yeah, she was in The Hunt. Yeah. I was at first I was talking about The Grudge. She oh, was okay. in The Grudge, but then I was like, yes, she was also in The Hunt. But I find The Hunt to be like a really gross movie i think it's i don't even think that they originally meant it to be a satire i think it was poorly changed to one after it got criticism i think even if it was meant to be a satire that it's really inappropriate and it's one of the reasons that we had a bunch of police officers die on january 6th i just this movie grosses me out like on a fundamental moral level i don't like it i don't like anything about it well not to be that bitch, but oh, to no, be no, that no. bitch. Not a fan. Well, she was also in A Dog's Journey, which is famous for abusing animals. So I'm like going through IMDb like, what the fuck, lady? Like, A Dog's Journey is that movie that got famous because of that um, behind the scenes clip where like the dog just kept having to drown and it was horrifying. Yeah, I didn't pick those um, based off her um, acting abilities. <laughs> <laughs> I picked uh, Masters of Sex. I picked Glow. I picked... Well, obviously, hunt the hunt. Um, I picked uh, Nurse Jackie. I was about to say, she wasn't Nurse Jackie. I forgot about Nurse Jackie. Um, and Edie Falco is cool. What's she doing right now? Edie Falco? I don't know what she is. Right? Um, we don't see enough Edie Falco. And she's in some action movie called The Tomorrow War that's supposed to be out later this year. So she's, she's leaning more into action than... Um, comedy and drama like she's really like ever since she started doing glow she's like you know what i think i can do action and she's now doing action this is good so my thing with seven of nine is that the casting of seven of nine in my opinion among all of the castings will be the most subjective because to me the thing that's most important about seven of nine is that she's just the hottest person you can even imagine thinking of imagine somebody now imagine somebody hotter that person's hotter sister is seven of nine like seven of nine needs to be so hot it's intimidating it's scary it's 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 you're afraid to talk to her because she should spit on you for even looking at her that's how hot seven of nine is and jerry ryan still looks that hot like i want i honestly wanted to just recast jerry ryan trying to find somebody as hot as jerry ryan was so hard for me like 
this is and it's all subjective because it's you know it's physical attractiveness i just i was like i need somebody that i can justify being hotter than current jerry ryan because current jerry ryan is so hot and perfect that like that's why she's still doing this role in picard because she absolutely has every right to still be doing this role because she still owns this role she just owns it so it was really hard not putting jerry ryan And I spent a lot of time looking around for the right mixture of action badass and ridiculously sexy. I almost thought about putting Angelina Jolie. I don't give a fuck. Uh, (laughs) But finally, because I had one that I just kept avoiding and avoiding and avoiding. And I finally had to accept that what I thought was the obvious choice. I honestly thought we might have the same one for this because I thought it was too obvious was Samara Weaving. Samara Weaving has the exact same type of, like, bright blonde hair, big blue eyes, square jaw, huge lips, but will also kill you with her bare hands. Like, terrifyingly hot pretty that I think Seven of Nine exudes. And we've seen her do everything. Like, she can do the full range. So, to me, it was Samara Weaving. I tried to fight it, but it was just too too powerful. I know, seeing Ready or Not, the babysitter... And then Bill and Ted, I was like, well, fuck. Exactly, right? Enough said, right? That's seven of nine. And then I think she's playing, um, Kurt, I think she's playing, um, she's going to be Scarlet in Snake Eyes. She's, oh, I'm so happy. So she, if G, if he gets a G.I. Joe movie, so we know she's going to be capable of playing seven of nine by playing right. a badass. You know I what? can't resist. I loved it. Sorry, Betty. Some are weaving because she. I honestly was like, we're all gonna have the same answer for this. This is a no-brainer. And, and I tried to find somebody else. I want to make it clear. I put in a good effort. I was looking up the hottest people I could think of. And then on top of that, she is the daughter of, uh, no, the niece of Hugo Weaving. I didn't know that. That's cool. He's fun. He come on for a guest spot. He likes makeup. So like if you're if you you your 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 name is a weaving you 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 have legacy you have to come in swinging and she came in swinging by all these roles. She did. But she but here's the thing though she still have a black mark on her um her career though. She was in a horrible monster truck movie <laughs> from 2016. A monster truck movie oh god. It was the, the truck is a monster inside the truck. It had the dude to play havoc in X Men First Class in it. Believe us. Yes, she has a black. Oh, Harry Kim. Harry Kim. I want you to go first because I don't know this actor. I I looked at your list. I I was going to say I I was doing really good and we're almost done. And I was doing really good keeping track of like you than me than you than me going first. And I fucking blew it. Seven of Nine is so hot. I'm looking at both of them next to each other, Jerry Ryan and Samara Weaving, and I can't think. I was like, I don't remember who went first. I don't. Um, So I'll go first. That's fine. So for Harry Kim. That's another one. I don't know. Um, because Voyager was such a, a small cast, and it really did, especially in the 90s, I like, I don't know, maybe it's one of the reasons why I, I pay attention to this stuff now as a child. It really put a depression on me as a kid seeing, like, you know, a Native American guy and a Hispanic girl and um, an Asian guy. Just like Tuvok is like, a, oh, like, you can be fucking a Vulcan and be black. So it's stupid to pretend like, oh, well, you know, Vulcans are just white because Spock was white. It's like, no, of course Vulcans can be black. Humans can be white and black. Like, they did such a good job of really, like, 
shouting out like no like star trek is supposed to be super diverse and it just was really nice and so i that's one of the reasons why i really wanted to make sure i kept that diversity as best i could um when casting and so when i got to harry kim um i follow a lot of asian actors because i'm a giant fucking weeb but what really struck me about harry kim where i was i was like if we were making the star trek today and this is a recasting for a star trek that comes out in 2021 we're now in an area where like having a korean character on star trek k-pop's fucking huge in america like korean culture has started to disseminate in a really cool way where it's like oh yeah you would totally have that and i thought that it would be a really cool opportunity to bridge the gap even more between like korean pop culture and like k-pop culture and american culture like pop culture and so i started looking at the biggest k-pop actors like the biggest korean drama actors that um spoke fluent english or spoke comfortable english and i was listening to a bunch of like videos of them like you know talking about like whether or not they'd be like i wanted south korean actors that showed an interest into like getting into english speaking roles essentially and so i watched a bunch of them and then i saw park go uh park bo come who is a south korean actor who is the youngest ever recipient of like the south korean artist awards he's been the star of like 18 huge popular uh, korean television dramas he's in a ton of comedy movies he's in a ton of dramatic movies like he's just a really big actor with a ton of range he's been celebrated since a young age for just being the shit and um he was giving i was listening to him give an interview in the philippines in english and discussing how multiculturalism was important to him and reaching fans and like he learned english because he has so many filipino fans he wanted to communicate with them better and um so i was like i think he would be a perfect guy to have on here as a role acting as like a bridge the way that star trek likes to do um in the real world by bringing in a large south korean celebrity that in the same way i wanted more of like an activist in the chakotay role um i thought it would be cool to have somebody who both wants to be on an english-speaking platform wants to like pursue this like you know it's really important to me to hit like all of these different fans and like representation is important and like multiculturalism is important and um he's really really hot and he's a good actor so <laughs> like his acting in english is good because there were a couple guys that were really good actors and hot and like i but i listened I, they had like scenes where they were acting in english and i'm like they're just their acting in english wasn't very good and i was like oh. like this guy already can act really well um i liked his accent it was really cute but he just seems like he's already ready to go let's cast him right now done so we, tomorrow so we was thinking of the same thing except for i went different i got steven yoon I did see, and see, that was my first instinct. I loved when I saw this because originally I was like, I'm in Steven Yoon, right? And then I was like, let me go, let me go different because I'm trying not to get the same thing as everybody. So I'm really <laughs> happy because we would have had the same thing for the record. My instinct, same thing. And so then I was like, let me see, let me see what like outside that I could find. And so that's why I, I tried to go a weirder way. So it was intentional on my part to try to like be sneaky about it. Yeah, and, and on top of that, because I because he's great. Absolutely. Great role. Um, and I hope he 
gets nominated. I don't know. He did not get nominated in the Golden Globe. He didn't because it's a foreign language role. So they can only win best foreign language picture because we don't have awards for anything else. Which is fucking ridiculous. Which is fucking stupid. He's still, even though he's an American actor who can speak. And the movie was in America. The movie was filmed in America. The the film was about the American experience with American actors. The only thing that was different is that they filmed it in Korean and Parasite won best picture. So like if Parasite could win best picture, what makes this movie different? I know. So like there's, there's a whole lot about the golden globes that really pissed me off this year. Um, a lot of, a lot of snubs, but I'm like, but Steven Yoon came into my mind because I was like, He's someone who's who is who's always been speaking out on for the um for Asian culture and especially representation. So I was happy when he was cast as Invincible because he he gets to be the best of both worlds. Because also Sandra Oh is the mother for the hero of Invincible. See, she's got that aura. She's got that stern mom aura. Um, she's stern. That's Janeway. Janeway's the stern mom. Yeah, um, I'm going off of what I'm in for Invincible. She's not that stern. She, she's more on the lines of like. <sighs> no, I meant Sandra O oh as oh. a person has yeah. that like stern mom vibe, yes. and that's what Catherine Janeway also yeah. means. And this that's why I'm so I'm so I can't wait for Invincible because when you said Sandra O, oh, I was Invincible popped it right in my head. Because I'm yeah, gonna, I love her. I, I can't wait to see how she approaches this character because. I don't want to spoil Invincible, so I so badly want to, but I can't because it really goes off the rails after it, after issue twelve. So it's just like, oh, this I can't wait for that show. That's why I picked it, uh, Steven Yeun because he can he can he you give him anything. It can be off the that Bong Hoo Joe movie he did, um, like three years ago about that that bunny looking hippo. What was it? Funny looking hippo. <laughs> it was Bong. It was director Parasite's movie. Like, I was like, okay, this is weird off the wall. That um, made me really happy. But yeah, I constantly forget that Steven Yeun was in uh, The Walking Dead. So I am gonna take this opportunity to give you shit for picking another Walking Dead person. But I'll be honest, I don't like Steven Yeun has grown beyond. Yeah. That for me, you know, it doesn't make sense. Like he got like a. I know he is, and that's how he got famous. But like, I now no longer think of The Walking Dead when I hear Stephen Yeun. Yeah, I, that's when he, he noticed. I did not mention The Walking Dead when I said you Stephen. didn't. You did not. But it is another Walking Dead character, so I have to tease you for that. I don't care. I picked one. <laughs> yeah, but no, he's a great. He's a great choice too. Love that. No, not mad at that. Uh, no, I do want to say for Seska. So some people might be like, Seska, really? You're like, that? that's that's a major character you're casting? And again, I want to reiterate that Voyager is one fucking ship lost in space, so recurring characters are pretty low. Mm-hmm. And DS9 and TNG had so many more characters that I was like, I got to try to pad. That's why I put Seska. That was my, that was, Seska's a padding. Like... Yeah, I put Kess in there. I don't think she's quite as padding, but like you know, I was trying to like do the ones that were as as justifiable as possible. And I think Seska is important enough to the plot and is recurring enough to the plot, like comes up often enough that it warranted a spot. And but she, that's and, why and I just I needed more characters because if there's somebody I forgot, feel free hit me up. And she has a rank. She has a high high enough um, commanding rank, so it it makes sense for who you picked. Right, you would need somebody to cast her. It's a, it's a, she'd have to be cast. Mm-hmm. 
So, okay, so yeah. You want me to go first this time? I can't. I already forgot again. Yes. Yeah, so for me, I was like, Sus is a character that will essentially be like a really big cameo because she's important, but she physically doesn't come in that often. Um, and she's just like super hot and mean. And so I thought it would be a great opportunity for Margot Robbie. I thought she'd be a little bit too big to be more consistent on the show. But I think that she'd be a person that would be down for, like, having multiple types of, you know, face makeup, depending on what race, like, if it's a flashback, depending, you know, what racial prosthetics she might need. And, you know, to be, like, Harley Quinn is evil, but she's never, she's always, like, by the time that Margot Robbie got to Harley Quinn, she had been retconned enough as an antihero that she was very firmly an antihero. And so Margot Robbie, like, in I, Tanya got to be a villain, and you could tell how much fun she was having. And I feel like she could bring a lot of that vibe to Seska. And I just think it would be another one that would be so fun for the actor. Okay. I like, I, I do like Margot Robbie. I have not seen Wolf of Wall Street, so I can't judge on that one. On that ability of her masking herself. Um, my choice. Isa Gonzalez. She is she from The Walking Dead? No, she's not a Walking Dead actress. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's in. She was um, John Hamm's girlfriend in Baby Driver. So oh, okay. She, she was a villain. Um, she's a villain in Alita: Battle Angel. <laughs> um, she was a villain in Bloodshot, and I think she's the only time she's not playing a villain um, is in um, Morbius. And if I if I remember correctly, she's the voice of Honey Lemon in Big Hero Six. No way! So the only two times she's not playing a villain and a mean, a very very mean person. But when you think of Seska, she like you said, flashbacks according to the role, someone who can transform into the character. And you look at Isa Gonzalez and everything that she does, she's really transforming to whatever like the character needs. And I was like, she can do it. That's fun. Yes. I just, so yeah, it's not a huge role. It's not a lot to like yeah. go off of. It's just kind of a fun, like, villain role. But I just needed more characters for Voyager. So there's yeah. not that many. Um, now I'm curious, though, what is your Voyager episode? If you've, because you've only seen a little bit of the show. So what would you do for Voyager? The episode where Genway is going against um, Chicote. And we're, and at the end of my episode, or movie in this case, he ends up joining the crew. It's like really touching episode. That'd be really good. And again, it's like a cool, fun, like kind of political thriller intrigue. Um, mine, I ho- I don't know if you'll get, but it's later on. But I would do. There's a two the two part episode of Scorpion, which is the season finale of episode three, and then the first part, the first episode of season four. So it's the season three finale is Scorpion part one. And then the season four premiere is Scorpion part two. And it's the episode that gets rid of Kess and adds seven of nine. 
and it's where Janeway makes a tentative, like makes a alliance with the Borg to defeat an even uh, an enemy that threatens both of them, and then has to like navigate not letting like not having the Borg double cross her like she knows they're gonna try to do, and uh, Kess ends up fucking off, and then they end up getting Seven of Nine, and it's the Seven of Nine an introductory arc, so it would be very Seven of Nine focused, and that whole bit is fucking cool as shit. Uh, so it has like the, it's the last it's the one episode that has the entire cast you know Kess and seven of nine so it's nice to do and because it's a two-part episode there's def- there's obviously enough for a film um and so it'd be a really cool episode because i just fucking love the borg the very first star trek thing i watched was one of the borg um tng films and i was like what the fuck is this that borg queen i took one look at her and i was like i have to know what's happening here and i just became obsessed and so i've always had a really special place in my heart for the borg and that's one of the reasons i love seven of nine so much also jerry ryan was married to a political figure in chicago politics and so her divorce and the political fallout of it was constant nightly news on wgn growing up so you know jerry ryan was way more famous to me than she was to most people because she was always in the news (laughs) but uh yeah i just i think it would be a great thing to make a movie out of it's begging to be made into a movie and it's something that will use like the entire cast in it well it's very and it's so so i'm I'm pulling a you because it's more like you know it's super actiony and big you know space battles and stuff like that with some political intrigue so it's it's more of a over your style yes cool too. thank you thank you sir thank you. i like action stuff too <laughs> i like sexy board ladies oh man if we didn't go <laughs> if we didn't go over time we're at 240 now um i would jesus it would uh, we should do an episode because i have an idea for a star trek game sorry and, and we have these are all the mocaps that's why most of your picks were voice actors because you're like and this is my cast of my star trek game yeah because I want it in the style of Mass Effect, but you get to create your own captain. Oh, that's just a Star Trek MMO. Yeah, I don't like the I don't like Star Trek the Star Trek MMO. I was like, have it more structured. I hate to break it to you, but that's a Star Trek MMO. But have it more structured, where and this you know how in Mass Effect, Shepard always going out on the mission. This is uh, it's like a Mass Effect game, except for this time, since you're the captain, you have the choice to send your crew out, and you get to c- control your crew that's on, on the, the away team, or you let the captain go on the away team. And you have, and it's like a back and forth, like, all right, the away team is dealing with this. What's happening back on the ship, like on Star Trek? Like, it's a little pretty red shirts that you can bring with you when you go down. Yeah. So, like, if you bring your commander and the red, you, you, the captain and the commander and then the red shirt, so which means the team dynamic is now done because the red shirt is dead. It's now up to the captain and the commander to deal with this. Was 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 on the away team. That's, that's, that's the idea I had. If anyone steals my idea, just give me some form of credit. Um, and with that, we're almost close to three hours. We're not breaking your debut episode, which is close to three hours, which is literally. I said, hey, we could have done like, I, like literally, you could just break this into three episodes and just put this like, okay, it is the first part now. And whenever we have a rainy day where we can't release an episode, you get the DS9 and the Voyager. There's nothing topical on here. There you go. You're welcome. Got three, three episodes in the bank. Yeah, but if we had a good break in between each one, it would definitely be, it would be easy enough for me to. Um, divvy up each three each uh, each episode but we didn't do a break because we went right in 
Right. That's a good thing. I like it though. Um, but Christian did send in his pick for Cisco, and this and this is what his one. Give it to me. Chilio Tail Edria Four. Oh, he did put that in here. He actually has a couple. I'm gonna call him out on here, um, because he filled this out. He had Chilio Four as Benjamin Cisco, which is very good. But I have to shout this out. He also had Stephanie Beatrice as Belena Torres. Right. For the record. He had Jillian Jacobs on here, which I thought was cool because I had Allison Brie. He had Kess as Jillian Jacobs, which I think is a perfect, like, you know, I was going make her more likable to make her more interesting. I think you could go in and make her more annoying to make her more, like, have a personality. Because mm-hmm. Jillian Jacobs does that, like like obnoxious pretty i don't know i love her but i feel like a lot of times the characters aren't supposed to be very likable but i like her anyways like you like them despite the fact they're unlikable it's almost like an it's always sunny thing yeah anyways um so that i had and then david cross as the doctor is on here and i thought that was really good i don't like david cross's voice oh see i like david cross so i thought uh, he looks a lot like he's perfect visually he's got the head for it he's got the forehead wrinkles i'm telling you the doctor needs to emote with his forehead wrinkles um he also has randall park as harry kim which i really liked yeah um so i am not he has a bunch of, i'm not calling out i'm only calling out the ones that i i really think need to be said even though he's not here uh which he has um kira Nerys. he has numi rapace and i really like that I really like that one as well. So he might have changed these. Don't hold him to these. Don't like cyberbully him for him because they might have changed. This was a work in progress. But I really like those. Like I, I have to, I have to tip my hat to them because they really made me happy. Yeah, Lucy Lawless for Janeway. Yeah, I like Lucy Lawless's Janeway. I like Lucy Lawless's anything. Oh, please yes. cast her more, Hollywood. Yes, please. please. Yes, please. Cast her more. Yes. She should have been hip hop. That's all I got to say. I think I'm going to slowly tweet all these out. I'm going to find good gifts, but I think I have to slowly do something with these because I'm just having so much fun with these castings. And with that, that is our episode of... I don't know how to give... The, I don't know what title to give this episode. So whatever it is. The Great Star Trek casting. Okay. Um, thank you for being back. For being coming back. That's a couple of, I gotta keep on saying thank you. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm hungry. I only had... My brother only gave me six nuggets. So... That's it was actually good on the update on the, on the spicy nuggets. It was not too spicy. Oh, that's good. I don't like super spicy. And it was nice and crunchy. So Okay, they pass. They pass. They pass the nug test my nug test. Uh, <laughs> uh number one is always Wendy's. I'm sorry. It is. They're good. They they really are. Um once again you can hear us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can follow Kaylee at Quirk of Art at twitch.tv forward slash Quirk of Art and you can follow our Patreon as well give the money um, give me money uh, you could also follow her on Twitter simply at Quirk of Art as well everything's going to be in the description oh, I lied on Twitter I'm Quirk of Art XD oh XD oh, XD Sorry. Disney XD but me um, you can follow me Desi's dead on Twitter and Instagram, simply at Desi is dead. Um, Twitch, if you want, I'm not gonna stream, but if you want, I've been told I should say I have a Twitch as well. It's whatever. And with that, live long and prosper. Aww.